hello and welcome to a special Sunday morning episode of the Plain Talking UK podcast. It's number 286 this week of the show. And, uh, well, welcome everyone who's joined us and welcome Matt Smith. Hello everyone, how are we? Are we alright? Yeah, we're, we're good today, you know, we're good. We're, it's a Sunday morning and I'm, I'm back morning. in the UK. You yeah, are, yes, yes. And frankly, he's done nothing but complain about it ever since, so I'm not oh. going to lie. <laughs> yeah, from the, from the minute I checked in at Luca Airport yesterday morning, yes. I complained all the way home. Did you? Uh, right. And the, the worst of the complaints were when I landed at... Uh, London Luton right. Airport. Okay, uh, but yeah. more about that later. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, but uh, apologies from uh, Armando and Nev this week as they're not mm. with us on the show. But we have got a super substitute co-host for the show this week. He's joined us all the way from Portland, Maine. It's our main man, Micah. Hello, everyone. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I don't know that I can be substituting for Armando and Nev, but I will certainly do my best to kind of fill in. Absolutely. I can't think of anyone more qualified, frankly. No. Uh, yeah. uh, well, thank you very much for getting up at uh, silly o'clock and joining us uh, this morning. From uh... Have you been on the source last night, Carlos? You've got... Oh, no, it's all right. You've got... <laughs> you, you were all out of focus there for a minute. Oh, was I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all blurry. blurry. Yeah. Oh. No, it's, it's lovely to see you, Mike. How, how are things with you uh, across uh, across the pond there? How, how's, oh, how's absolutely things in wonderful. Uh, other, other than I would normally be asleep at this time of the day because it's 7 a.m. and this is when I get my prime REM sleep, as many ah, of you know, right. I'm a late night guy. But it was a pleasure to wake up knowing, oh, hey, I'm going to be able to visit with Carlos and I'm going to be able to visit with Matt. And I'm going to be able to see, talk to all my friends from all over the world on PTUK. Oh, he's oh, lovely, isn't he? Yes. He's lovely. Yes, uh, if only none of it was true. Uh, <laughs> so, welcome to everyone who has joined us this morning in the live chat room. Actually, lots of people yeah, who I'm are getting present, up quite across shocked, the actually. globe to see us <laughs> today. Uh, we've got, uh, in the chat room, we've got uh, Auntie Liz has joined us in the chat room. Yeah, Hello yeah that lady Liz. does literally she never sleeps. <laughs> and you think she'd live next to an airport, wouldn't you, the, the amount of time she spends awake. But uh, anyway, Evan Shue. Hello to you, Evan. Uh, we've got Chris. Griggs, uh, Masha, hello to you Masha, lovely to see you in the chat room as well Tony S, hello to you Tony Neil Lamwarn, he's uh, there bu busy polishing his guppy over at uh, Brunchingthorpe, <laughs> I, I beg your pardon <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so welcome to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this morning it is the 15th of September <sighs> Which is how did that? Wow! Yeah. This is like it's the summertime is officially finished here in the UK now. It's all. It's all. Mind you, I'm hoping that I mowed my lawn for the last time today. I'm hoping that that that'll be the end of that now. I can. See I just it. can't believe where the months are going. You know, all of a sudden September, October, no wonder. I just yeah. can't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So, uh, what have we got coming up this week? Well, we've got know. all the usual news. We? Uh, right. Yeah, we have, okay. and we've also got. Uh, a special uh, segment from the Biggin Hill Festival of Flight 2019, which is uh, actually is you, Matt. You is are it? you are oh, featuring in this week's one oh, because you are interviewing. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, contrary to popular belief, I was actually there. Right? <laughs> he was I, there. I, I, yes, yeah. Unfortunately, that was the only thing because I, the, some of the interviews we got were were very prestigious. The, the only trouble side is the, <laughs> the only problem there was we were only allowed two people airside, obviously, so it makes perfect sense that it should have been Carlos and uh, Nev, of course. But, uh, but, yeah, Matt, but we did, we did do one in the field. You spent. Most of your time with your head stuck in a in a uh, satellite 
uh, broadcast fan. I might have done, yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I may have been very happy and sort of forgotten mm. about you two entirely. I know. Frankly. So this week's interview, which Matt uh, brings us later on, is actually with a chap called Nick from Aerability. And this is a company uh, based here in the UK who provide flights and the ability to, uh, for people to learn to fly who are less able yeah. uh, than, than, you know, than, than most people. And, and it's brilliant little charity set up they've got there. And um, yeah, we can have that later on the show. We've also got a little segment that Matt's put together from my recent, very recent trip mm. uh, to Malta. And uh, yeah, we've got a little segment as well, which has yeah. been sent in by Armando. Yeah, actually, in fact, actually, what I think we should probably do is if we just run that now, actually, because oh, he's, he's giving his apologies. Yeah, essentially. So, uh, uh, if you've been wondering why Armando's been missing for the last couple of weeks, then uh, this would be why. Hey guys, good morning. So the last couple weeks, I have not been on the show, and we've uh, mentioned that I'm out at the Reno Air Races. So this is pretty much my domain. Here's some sport class airplanes. T6s right behind me, and down the line there's jets, there's unlimited P51s. Uh, I've mentioned quite a few times that if anybody ever gets a chance to come out to the Reno Air Races, absolutely do so. But you can also watch it live at airrace.org. That's uh, airrace.org, and they have a live stream. And uh, NBC Sports is also filming this, so it'll come out on YouTube here in a couple months. So. Miss you guys. Uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to at least listen while I'm on the ramp and uh, we'll talk to you soon. If you're watching the YouTube feed, enjoy some videos from some biplane races, sport class races, a lot of the cool airplanes that are out here and even the weather which is pretty sporty out here sometimes. supposed to be telling us exactly what all these aeroplanes are, Carlos. They're very quick. Okay, right. Very fast, agile aircraft. Those are racing aircraft. Right, okay. It's the latest state-of-the-art fire equipment just coming on there. Tony's got a great comment in the chat room here, actually, saying Armando is like a kid in a candy store. For those of you who are watching or listening to the audio version, if you take yourselves over to YouTube and uh, catch the feed, you'll be able to see some awesome video, which we're currently watching, of uh, the air races and, of course, of Armando. Yeah, he's busy. That's a B-25 Mitchell. I can give you that one. <laughs> That's very good. Look at it. It's a fantastic uh, rainbow and stuff there. So thank you very much. Car. Oh, hello. More noise. So uh, this is going to sound like a silly question. Where is... The Reno Air Show, the Air, the Reno Air Races. I assume I held in Reno, Reno, Nevada, the biggest little city in the world, is what it's known for. <laughs> now that's not a million miles away from Las Vegas, is it? If I seem to recall, yeah. it's north of Las Vegas, closer to, um, uh, actually, it's closer to San Francisco than it is uh, Sacramento than it is uh, 
uh, California than it is to Las Vegas. Ah, fantastic. Lake Tahoe. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, as I say, we can always rely on the legend that is Armando for some great video content. We've been very lucky, really. Sort of, with that's a pit, those are pit specials. Yes. yes, we're familiar with those. Absolutely. There yeah. we are. That, that's well. Thank you, Armando. Thanks, uh, Armando. So, yes, your your apologies have been accepted. Uh, you <laughs> you carry on. Uh, yeah, that's very good. <laughs> very good. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like that. We've probably got some more of those coming as well. I think Armando's yeah. doing some uh, other videos as well. To, yeah. uh, to so he's not show. slacking in his absence. No, he's working very hard trying to get as, get as much. Uh, no, I haven't seen him on Slack in quite some time. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> again, I see what you did there. Very good. <laughs> so um, yeah, so uh, back to uh, back to time. Back to reality. Back to reality. <laughs> so um, quick update on uh, on my return yesterday, actually to uh, to Luton. I've got to say a big uh, thumbs down to uh, London <laughs> Luton. It was the worst <laughs> experience that I've ever had yeah. in uh, an airport. In my life, I can say save all that for when we're when we're running your an little hour. video. Really, an yeah, hour. an hour, cases. right? Okay, cases. All right. Yes, he's, a bit, he's a bit distressed about it, but all will be coming up later on with that. So we, we so better we are, come up with the task. <laughs> we yeah, are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Micah, I'm ready. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, born ready. Go, let's yeah. go. <laughs> So, kicking off this week's first news story on this Sunday morning, it's on the businessinsider.com website, and uh, it's uh, more 737 Max woes, uh, as always. And uh, uh, We're starting the show with that, I know. aren't we? Okay. So, the headline on here... Everyone get depressed. Uh, here we go. Right. A former Boeing official is pleading the Fifth Amendment after being subpoenaed for documents in the U.S. Justice Department's probe of the 737 Max. So uh, the story goes on. A former Boeing official who was uh, subpoenaed to testify and uh, all about uh, his role in the development of the 737 MAX has refused to provide documents sought by federal prosecutors, see, according to the Seattle Times, citing his Fifth Amendment right against forcible self-incrimination. Mark Faulkner, who was Boeing's chief technical pilot on the 737 MAX project during the development of the plane, was responding to a grand jury subpoena. The uh, U.S. Justice Department is investigating two fatal crashes uh, of the jet and is looking into the design and certification of the aircraft, according to a person familiar with the matter cited by the Seattle Times. The Fifth Amendment provides legal right that can be invoked by a person in order to avoid testifying under oath because the amendment is used to avoid being put in a situation where one would have to testify about something that would self-incriminating. Uh, it can sometimes be seen by outsiders as an implicit admission of guilt, although that's not always the case. It's less common to invoke the Fifth uh, to resist a subpoena for documents or evidence. Uh, according to legal experts, its use by Faulkner could simply suggest a legal manoeuvre between Boeing's attorneys and prosecutors. Faulkner left Boeing in 2018, according to his LinkedIn page, and is currently a first officer flying for Southwest Airlines. The Justice Department's investigation into the two crashes, which occurred uh, in October 29th in Indonesia and in March 10th in Ethiopia, is a wide-ranging exploration into the development of the plane. Uh, the investigation has also grown to include records related to the production of uh, a different plane, the 787, at Boeing's Charleston, South Carolina plant, although it's not clear whether those records have anything to do with the MAX. So preliminary reports into the two crashes that led to the grounding of uh, the MAX indicate that uh, the automated 
system erroneously engaged and forced the aircraft to nose down. I mean, we have all read the reports and bits and pieces about these crashes, and we all know about the MCAS system. So, so basically, this guy has obviously worked for Boeing. He doesn't want to, um, you know, obviously be, be named essentially, be, or go, yeah. well, doesn't want to uh, go to, to jail. I would imagine. Yeah, you know, true. No yeah. He wants to go there, but uh, it's all. Honestly, Mikey, you you obviously live uh, in the country where this is uh, kind of big news as such, I would say. Um, what do you think of it all? You know, one of the things that bothers me about this is that they're trying to prosecute over what is obviously a mistake. And I think that it's turned into a lot of media hype in that direction, even in terms of the prosecution. Because while I think that Boeing has definitely fouled up and done a lot of really stupid things in terms of their development, I don't think there was malfeasance involved. And if there's no malfeasance, why are they trying to prosecute them? Why are federal prosecutors all over them? Do you think that, I mean, do you believe, and I don't know, that this was all done intentionally, that they wanted the planes to crash, Indeed. that they mm -hmm. wanted to kill people, that the whole intent was to cut things short, to get things done so quickly? That's not Boeing. Now, they have a really terrible culture going on there, as we'll learn with a couple of other stories going mm -hmm. on. But uh, but I don't think uh, it's a kind of thing like what happened in Brazil a few years ago when a pilot crashed an airplane, people died, an Ameri some American pilots, and they wanted to get the pilots back into Brazil to prosecute them for having what turned out to be engine problems. This was design problems. There are design problems. There are certainly issues with the aircraft, but... And, and it needed, perhaps it needed to be grounded when it was originally grounded. We're not sure that it needed it at the time. Maybe we're learning that it did. But was it an intentional thing? Was it done with malfeasance? I don't think so. Well, of course, the answer there is no. Of course, it, you know, it, it is just one of those. But I, th I think this is, this is the problem with, um, with life in general, isn't it, really? Now there is very much a suing and or blame culture um, that is very much existent there. Um, oh, and yeah. uh, I, I, I guess people just, well, I mean, also, you know, people have lost lives, I suppose. So I, I suppose they, in some respects, perhaps they do deserve to be compensated for what, what happened. Um, especially if it does turn out to be an error. And Neil points out in the chat room, you can be criminally negligent without having intent. Yeah. And that, that's true as well. But, um, but again, I think that this was, you know, uh, some, some bad design issues. And, yeah. uh, you know, when, when DC-10s mm. crashed, mm. when people was, 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 uh, uh, was Douglas at that point prosecuted for it? I don't think so. Where, uh, where does culture these days yeah uh, Tony's saying uh, surely someone at Boeing needs to take responsibility and I have to mm. confess like whilst uh, whilst I completely accept what you're saying I, I do feel that somebody's got to take responsibility for what happened because you you could argue perhaps that testing wasn't as thorough as it perhaps should have been or could have been or you know I, I, I I'm just surprised that something like this wasn't picked up in testing do you know what I mean mm. Yeah. Well, it gets to a point, and um, as uh, as Colonel Jeff said at one time when he was uh, our guest on on the Geeks, he mm. said that the electronics, you know, and computers, uh, become so involved that you can't even test for everything. You don't Sorry. know what it's going to do. And think about the glitches that you have when a new Windows system comes out. Oh yes. <laughs> you know, and you have beta this, beta that, whatever. And even yeah. when you finally release it, you have a problem. Yeah. Well, there's so many electronics in the mm. aircraft you don't know what you're testing for and if you don't know what you're testing for you don't know what's going to happen necessarily you can't test for it true that's part of the issue no and and, and that's a, a good fair point to, and this story will 
carry on, carry on, and carry on. I just, I, I, I mean, as I, this is this is the thing. I, people are saying, "Oh, I'm never getting on a Max." As I say, and I know, and, and you guys know that I've said before. Um, actually, when they do finally put it back in the air, I'm going to be more inclined as a nervous flyer to want to fly on well, a Max one than here I in am. The well, indeed, <laughs> the only one that never got in the air. Yeah. Um, but when there's um, you know, when they do finally get it back in the air, it's going to be, not only is it going to be being watched like a hawk for the slightest little hiccup or glitch or or, or whatever. I mean, th- this thing, I reckon, is going to be one of the safest aircraft out there because uh, it should, because of the sheer scrutiny that is now involved in the MAX. Well, can I suggest, based on that, that we skip to story number four right now because that has something to do directly with that? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so I will do that. Bear with me a moment. Uh, sorry, I've got the wrong story open based on that. So we'll go with stories. So this is on the Bloomberg.com website. Correct. Uh, and the headline is... Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to get rid of me... Um, pop-ups? Yes, yes, <laughs> just busy dealing with pop-ups. One moment, caller. Uh, this, this didn't go very well, so we'll say submit preferences. That'll hopefully make it go away. There we go, we're away. So as I say, Bloomberg.com is the website. And the headline is Aviation CEOs warn of Europe slash US split on Boeing 737 MAX uh, review. Aviation executives are increasingly worried that a widening split between regulators in the US and Europe will extend the grounding of Boeing uh, Boeing. 737 MAX, uh, so in confusion and fear as officials work to Im- approve the resumption of commercial flights after two deadly crashes. Sounding the alarm this week over the increasingly tenuous alliance were uh, Angus Kelly, uh, who heads the largest global jet le- uh, lesser, and United Airlines boss Oscar Munoz, uh, André uh, de Juniac, uh, who heads the global um, airline trade group IATA and he was worried and disappointed by the lack of unity among regulators uh, aircraft financing pioneer Stephen Uvahazi uh, now I know that, has he got something to do with the museum? He's the one that donated most of the money for it. Ah, I see, yeah, right, yeah. yes, okay. Uh, and he called it uncharted territory. Uh, the regulatory discussions, which had been playing out behind closed doors, spilled out into the open after the head of the European Union Aviation Safety Agency said this week that his group was conducting its own study of Boeing's design changes along with the broader review. Under standard procedures used in past accidents, regulators would have delegated authority to the Federal Aviation administration which takes the lead in overseeing US built jets. The challenge of the moment is certification says Kelly chief executive officer of Aircap Holdings NV in an interview on Thursday with Bloomberg TV. When will this airplane be permitted to fly on a global basis? What is unclear is if the European authorities are diverging on issues like uh, the need for hardware changes to the max or are being uh, diligent uh, with a widening review of Boeing's jetliner, grounded for nearly six months, said Richard, uh, who is the uh, aerospace analyst of Teal Group. Uh, it's tough to filter out negative messaging because everyone involved needs to show their concern and diligence. Uh, there is also the spectre of politics rearing its head. Uh, it's the worst case 
and uh, highly unlikely, but nonetheless, it's on people's minds. Uh, so Boeing's timeline, Boeing has said that the MAX is still on track to be cleared by the US regulators early in the fourth quarter. Southwest Airlines, uh, who is the largest operator of the plane, thinks the go-ahead is likely to happen in early to mid-November. Airlines uh, will be need to make a range of preparations to ready the planes after they're approved to fly. And Southwest has removed the MAX from its schedule through to early January. We continue to work with the FAA and global regulators on, us, on addressing their concerns in order to safely return the MAX to service, Boeing said in an email. I think we can all agree that it's even when this is all sorted out and the yeah. airlines, you know, they get they get the go ahead to mm. fly this aircraft again. It's going to take a phenomenal amount of time to get all of these aircraft back up again. But, and but flying. As, as the article says here, though, this is unprecedented, isn't mm. it? Because normally, if there's been an incident like this, you know, the European uh, agencies would normally just say because it was, uh, you know, they would just refer it to the FAA. It's almost like I don't know. Is there is there an element of trust that's been lost here over this? I think that's the big story. I think that the big story is that uh, the USA, for whatever reason, and I don't want to get political here, mm -hmm. but it's lost its integrity. Mm -hmm. I think there's a tremendous amount of integrity lost between what's happening here politically, what's happening in the UK politically, and what recently happened in terms of what the FAA has done with this. There's there's no trust when uh, when the uh, not Lion Air when the Ethiopian crash took place, rather than sending the black boxes to the FAA or the National Transportation Safety Board to be reviewed, which is the standard case, they went to France and they yeah. were reviewed there. And uh, it was the, the plane was grounded by Trump, who said we're going to ground it, who has no authority to, to do that. But none, well, I guess he does because technically he oversees he, the FAA. But again, there's an integrity issue here. But mm. what it means from the good side and what we were just saying is that, okay, it's going to be reviewed by the FAA and they're going to pass it. But now Yass is saying, oh, we want to do it ourselves. So mm. in terms of it being safest plane out there when it comes back yeah i think it probably will be Absolutely. good point from tony s in the chat room just says he's amazed um it's been grounded so long and it just shows what a can of worms the certification process was yeah yeah mm. again that's very fair comment isn't it yes yeah so moving on okay. to the next story and um yeah, so we'll, uh, pa we'll pass this one to Micah. A BA then, one, uh, BA Micah. You're you. taking uh, taking the reins from uh, Nev this week. And and speaking of a lack of integrity, let's talk about British <laughs> Airways. <laughs> oh no, can't open worms everywhere. <laughs> well, you know, it's just how it goes sometimes. Now, what website is this from? This is from uh, One Mile at a Time. That's it. British Airways pilots lose flight benefits after the strike. And uh, British Airways pilots have spent Monday and Tuesday on strike, bringing the British Airways operation to a standstill. While British Airways has always had their fair share of strikes, it's incredibly rare to see their pilots go on strike. And this was the first time that it's happened in decades. Management and the union simply could not come up to an agreement for a new contract. And despite multiple attempts at reaching a, a deal could not happen. So this shouldn't come as much of a surprise, but management is now playing dirty, doing everything they can to send a message to the pilots. The Sun is reporting that British Airways has just cut flight benefits for pilots for the next three years. One of the best wow. perks of working in the airline industry is free or discounted flights, typically on a space-available basis. Ultimately, these benefits are offered at the discretion of the airline, and British Airways is now exercising their discretion. Now, I note 
Uh, I'm quoting here from the paper. Now, I'd note that it's highly unlikely that the suspension of benefits sticks while it's said to be for three years. As of now, clearly, this is an attempt to punish the pilots and also as a bargaining tool for if and when they do reach an agreement. Uh, they can restore these flight benefits as part of any agreement they reach. Now, you know what my question is with this is that um, how does that say for pilots? I, I'm guessing it's going to affect, you know, a lot of British Airways pilots commute from, say, Spain. What if yeah. they need to work? Are they paying for their own? Uh, to, are they paying for their own time to commute now back and forth, or is it just pleasure flights? Like if you want to uh, want to come home, uh, you know, or, or go on a pleasure trip. I'm, I'm not sure how that affects people. I mean, the thing that worries me most about this is, you know, it's uh, now now weirdly because uh, we were talking about this on WhatsApp while I was away on holiday, and myself and Gemma are currently having <laughs> a, a disagreement with Carlos in regards <laughs> to the actual strikes because um, we we're, we're sort of. I don't know, I suppose we've got business hats on and Carlos obviously is looking at it from the pilot's point of view, which is completely correct, I know, as well, me and Gemma are perhaps looking at it from a PA slash um, sort of, you know, passenger uh, perspective. I mean, there are lots of things that really concern me about this uh, and it, it, I think it's safe to say they are very well known as being some of the most well-paid pilots in the industry and that, I suppose, shouldn't be the only reason that perhaps I feel uncomfortable about the, uh, and it isn't the only reason I feel uncomfortable about the strikes, um, but when you when you think, you know, you've got people who are flying for the likes of Ryanair and EasyJet who aren't, uh, you know, who haven't got anywhere near a good a deal, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just if if they were on low wages, I'd be the first one to be mm. out there with me, me placard, busy waving it around. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. I feel a bit uncomfortable about it. There are two more paragraphs that I, I'm mm. only just reading for the first time that I think are important, and that is it's just what I said. What makes this interesting as well is that many pilots commute to work, uh, and they. Uh, don't live where they're based and they rely on their benefits to get yeah. to and from work and that sun, the sun suggested even those benefits are suspended however the final paragraph more or less says that while perhaps not tell, terribly relevant I'd note that the sun's coverage of this incredibly is incredibly slanted we all have <laughs> our opinions but if reporting that flight benefits are being taken away some of the commentary seems to be a bit much for example the Sun can reveal that six of the Megarich 13 Balpa Union board members who ordered the crippling pilot strike live abroad. And uh, they are also, uh, this is another quote from The Sun, they are so rich they can afford to fly to London, often take to overnight in a hotel from homes in Ireland, Spain, and France before starting work flying duties. Mm. So, I mean, that, that should be the, you know, that, that, I suppose that it's, it's, it's a bit of a grey area, mm. I suppose, in regard to it. But I, I should, is there a slanted paper over there in the UK? I don't, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with it. It's not one it's that a, It's read. a rubbish newspaper. We'll, we'll uh, send you a copy. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll no. send you a copy. No, we won't. Uh, there is uh, one thing I would like to actually just sort of highlight perhaps is like because obviously we've had the strike action last week of uh, um, uh, BA and the week before that obviously we had the Ryanair um, strike didn't we and I think it's interesting to note uh, really it was actually a tweet that Flight Radar 24 put out which is what started our, our discussion if you see what I mean um, and one of the things that w was was fairly relevant I thought was the fact that when Ryanair had their strike uh, out, which was out of their base at Stansted there uh, the amount of affected flights was zero on the first day of the, of the strike there were zero flights that were affected by the strikes I suppose and that's the big advantage to someone like Ryanair would have because all of their pilots are trained to fly their only aircraft which is the 737-800 
So mm. that's sort of, you know, I suppose they've, they're always going to have a massive advantage. So, and they've got bases all over Europe, so they've got pools of pilots that they can pull in to just cover a couple of days' worth of strikes at Stansted. One thing that was a bit of a surprise to say, and I'm just going to share this tweet uh, with everyone, if you didn't see it from Flight Radar 24 at the time, it's very, very relevant, I felt, in the fact that there was one, that's the total amount of British Airways flights that we are now tracking right now one flight during the strike so at that particular time mm. that they did this we had one BA flight in the air and I believe that had come from South Africa or something like that and it was I think it's because it was in the air before the strike started that was stolen yeah. it was stolen yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it so it's I mean it's uh, it was certainly a very effective strike and mm. I, I mean I'm sure I was reading reports where this is this is probably going to cost BA billions yeah it? a few yeah. billion yeah yeah absolutely yeah. for all the inconvenience and airfares have gone up all over because since British Airways is such a huge organization, such a huge airline, and now that their flights weren't in the air, uh, from wh what I read, some places that all the other international airlines that fly the same routes have been able to raise their prices. Well, of course they have. I mean, and, and why wouldn't you? And I don't mean this, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, but you can't blame the airlines themselves for actually capitalizing on the fact that, um, you know, they can make a few extra quid by you know sort of dealing with this strike on their behalf because let's be honest a lot of these flights will have had to have been paid for by BA that, that's true but but on the other hand if there's a, a disaster such as when the hurricanes are in Florida stores are not allowed to raise the prices on generators no. other essentials so isn't, isn't this the same thing I don't know can can you really put air travel as as classed as an essential thing I don't know oh yeah I don't know. No, no, no. But you two are weird. You like flying. That's <laughs> my idea of hell. So yeah. next story, sticking with BA again, because we do love a BA story. Uh, this one's on the BBC.co.uk website. And uh, more strikes are due. So for those of you listening who may have some oh, flights yay. booked soon this month, listen. Because the headline, BA cancels 27th of September, or 27 September flights ahead of the next uh, pilot strike. So... BA have started emailing passengers to cancel flights two weeks ahead of another strike that's planned by pilots. Industrial action on the 27th of September, when's that Matt, have a look, when's that, is expected to affect hundreds of flights and tens of thousands of passengers. The dispute is over a pay rise, which pilots it's says is not high enough. When uh, is it Matt? Two Fridays time. Two Fridays time. So there we go. not the 20th but the 27th. So pilots uh, staged a 48-hour walkout, as we all know, uh, uh, early in a week, forcing 200,000 passengers to change their travel plans. A spokesperson or spokeswoman for BA said the decision had been made to give customers as much uh, certainty as possible. Passengers were being offered a full refund or to rebook on alternative dates or airlines. They said that they're very sorry that Balper's actions will affect thousands more travel plans uh, she said, and we urge them to call off the strike and return to negotiations. So it says here, the airline has previously estimated a strike would cost £40 million pounds oh. a day. Oh, but perhaps I was doing them a terribly... Oh, a day. Okay. A day. Yeah, right, and Balper okay. called the decision to cancel flights irresponsible and inconsiderate to its customers and said that it was uh, a stra uh, strategy designed to save the airline money. By giving passengers two weeks' notice, the airline avoids having to pay compensation. <laughs> oh, wow. That's handy. Uh, Balper said it uh, had to set the record... Uh, oh, had to set the second strike period at the later date to allow time for negotiations to take place, but that BA had not responded to its latest proposal. Uh, the union said that it had given BA multiple opportunities to work with them to avoid the strikes. BA has also uh, said it has offered uh, pilots a pay rise of 11.5% 
over a three-year period, which it would says would boost, uh, boost the pay of some captains to £200,000 a year. However, Balpa says many of its members earn much less than that, with new pilots starting on less than £30,000. When BA cancelled flights uh, a fortnight ahead of the two-day strike earlier in the week, uh, uh, it mistakenly cancelled extra flights as well. The airline was forced to draft in extra customer relations staff over the August bank holiday weekend uh, to deal with hundreds of thousands of phone calls and messages after customers found they could not get through to change their flights. So all I'm going to say on this is as long as they don't strike at all in November I'll be happy. Of course. As will Nev. Yeah. This is Have true. they reported how much money it would cost them if they actually gave the pilots what they wanted? No, and, uh, and I th also I think it relevant to mention they have been given an offer. That's the thing. I mean, it's eleven and a half percent pay rise. I think is quite, uh, admittedly, over several years. I know over three years. Over yeah. three years, but that is that you know. So it's not like they haven't brought something to the table to to tempt them. I, I mean, again, like I said, this is the one thing that that I, it's the it's the it's you and me who are being affected by this that I feel sort of most angry about, perhaps with these strikes mm. because they are well paid. Uh, you know, and I know I'm going to get lots of emails and lots of reviews <laughs> for it. But Matt you know, at PlainTalkingUK.com. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, uh, and and it's just you know, and I, I do. I say I do. I do get it, as I say, but they have been given an offer, so it's not like BA has sort of just basically sort of shoved their head in the sand and said, you know, we're not even entertaining this as a thing. Um, but however you dress this up, I mean, the damage to BA's reputation over this must be. It's been a bit heavy. huge. Yeah. Are benefits uh, an issue as well here in the U.S.? Uh, I mean, your your medical benefits are covered, uh, you know, directly through the government. Here in the U.S., medical benefits, retirement benefits are also usually included in these kinds of strikes. Yeah. Is it? Are we just only talking about money when the in the when the BA strike? Seems like it's only the yeah. From what I've seen, it's due to, down to the pay, and I think there was something I read earlier as well that may have something to do with the pensions as well that the oh, pilots right. get. Okay. And, and what is a, what are the pilots asking for? They've been offered eleven and a half percent over three years. Mm. Do we know what they want? No, I, no. That that that's been kept a little bit under the thing. And, yeah. and again, you know, maybe this is again BA trying to sort of spin spin it so that people like me do actually feel sorry for for the airline rather than the pilots. I mean, you know, I'm the first yeah. to admit that I'm perhaps not as well as informed uh, on on this. Actually, issue. Liz, Liz does, Auntie Liz does make the good point, and uh, Nev would have said this if, had he have been here yeah, as well. Yeah, of course, that, go on. Uh, BA, the pilots did give up 11% uh, a few years ago. Yes, yes, um, and, that, and that's when, actually when a BA, When BA yeah. were going through a bit of a, yeah, yeah, a bit period, close to, yeah. um, they, the pilots did give up 11% to... Help, oh, I help see. the airline sort of survive. Survive, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to know what the differences are, and we're not really getting the pilot side of the story. No, so. no, that is true. No, perhaps we, perhaps. So, if you do fly for BA and would be with, <laughs> no, genuinely, I want to come on the show anonymously. Yeah. No, genuinely, if you do fly for BA and you would be interested in, uh, it can be done anonymously. If if you're, you know, if you'd be or, more comfortable or just to doing send it. an email to let us know what the information is. You Absolutely. Know, yeah. Fine. Yeah, absolutely. Because we would genuinely be interested to know, as I say. So, I mean, obviously, I've put forward a slightly controversial view. I would be delighted to be corrected 
um, in in regards to that. I you know I, I would I would love to be given the reasons as to to why. And as I say, also I mean perhaps that is a fault from BA in the fact that you know if they if the pilots did help out their at the airline. You know, and they haven't been compensated for the fact that they're now turning a healthy profit and stuff. You could, you could understand why they would be cross. A little know. bit, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's perfectly reasonable to say, "Give us the eleven percent back that we gave to you, yeah. and now give us the raise that we should have gotten." That after we should we have, had yeah, absolutely, because there's sure. several years worth of raises essentially that are missing, if you like. So they're only being offered what what you didn't have when they tried to help the airline out. You know, we have to remember that we have some very good pilot friends, and you yeah. know, they they're usually pretty bright and they're yeah. pretty agreeable. So we need to we need to look at what the pilots want as we well. We do absolutely, yes. So if you genuinely, if you if you are a pilot for BA, we would love to hear from you. Uh, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, so it can be done anonymously. We'd just love to hear that your must be why, story. Must be why pilot Pip uh, drives around in that Lamborghini. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so the next story, moving on, is on uh, BA's website, isn't it, Matt? Oh, is and it? Uh, is it my uh, go? It's it's uh, we're sticking with BA just for one last oh, story. Oh, and uh, it's something actually that uh, Micah picked up on a moment back. Oh, is this uh, about the fair, yeah, fair, about, fair uh, hikes? Yeah. Yes. Or well, did I read that they they gladly brought, brought our tickets a few a few months yeah, ago? Yeah, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's if your flight is going ahead. This is on <laughs> CNN Travel. <laughs> Sorry, I'll be quiet, Smith. Uh, no. CNNTravel dot uh, and uh, the headline is British Airways strike sees fares rise by up to two thousand one hundred percent. My goodness, is that a typo? Is that a typo? Is that, is that, that, a typo? Is that a typo. real? Two thousand one hundred percent. Anyway, oh, two point one percent. I think that is. Oh, it's, oh, sorry. Yeah. It, it might. It, well, it might. It's, it does look like a. I think that's two point one. It's two point one percent. Okay. Well, let's hope so. Uh, anyway, this week British Airways strike has caused chaos for an estimated two hundred eighty thousand passengers who were due to fly with the airline, but it's also rocked up fares to destinations around the world by no, it, no, it isn't a typo. It does say two thousand one hundred percent. Oh, well, you'll see it when you go down to the last two paragraphs before the picture okay. break. All right, then leaving the the UK isolated amid sold out routes and uh, stratospherically priced flights. Uh, while air ticket prices are typically fluid and rises during periods of heavy demand are not uncommon, one expert said that the level of increase seen during this strike was particularly extreme. A return flight uh, this week from London to Nice in the south of France costs as much as £1,272, or that's $1,573. My goodness me, is the exchange rate that bad at the moment? Wow. Uh, for less than two hours in the air. That was the price offered on Monday morning for an EasyJet flight departing from London Gatwick Monday evening and returning Wednesday morning, returning Tuesday at a cost of a little less than £1,055. Uh, those fares, which did not include seat assignments, checked baggage or any food or drink, had sold out by 3pm on the Monday. My goodness, Nice, the getaway to the south of France and the Italian Riviera, seemed particularly affected by the two-day strike. All eight daily EasyJet flights from Nice to London were sold out on Monday and Tuesday, the British Airways strike days. Uh, the cheapest return flight on Wednesday, September the 11th, was £448.50, $555 one way. Meanwhile, British Airways was uh, charging £694, that's $858, for a Nice to London Heathrow flight on Wednesday evening as it struggles to get back on schedule. Uh, British Airways is selling return fares to Nice on other dates in September for £58, making this 
uh, this week's flight is nearly 22 times more expensive. The price hikes look set to wor- uh, to the price hikes look set to worse hit business travellers on short turnaround trips. All flights from London to Denver on Monday were sold out. But flying out Tuesday morning and returning that evening would cost a staggering £4,378. That's $5,413 in economy, an inflation of 1,347% over British Airways' uh, September lead-in fare of £325. That's $402 return. According to Airfare Specialist Flight Centre, the average cost of a return fare from London to Denver over the past 12 months has been around about the four. £125 or $526 mark. Um, I mean, I could go on, um, but uh, we sort of get the, the gist, basically. Other, you, know, other, you can't really blame um, other airlines for cashing in on, on <laughs> BA's misfortune, I suppose, because you know, a lot of these flights, I guess, will be business flights or, or people travelling for work or business who still need to get to Nice to do their work. I guess you can't blame them for... For taking advantage of that, Michael, it's a little crazy. Oh. There is no doubt, uh, and uh, and that that's that was my concern, and and uh, and sure enough, from fifty eight dollars to two thousand dollars, yes, that's a little bit of a jump. Quite a jump, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was just uh, while you're doing the story, Matt, I was just blitzing through um, BA's website and looking at the prices of flights. To Malta, funnily enough, oh, with, with BA, <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, when I when I researched for the flights for us to, to go, uh, you know, I looked at the usual EasyJet Ryanair. We ended up flying Ryanair, as you mm. know. Um, but just looking at uh, BA's prices to uh, to fly to to Malta, and uh, it's just calculating my price now as we speak. Oh right. Okay. Bear in mind, I paid um, I paid return for for both of us three hundred and seventy quid with Ryanair okay. and uh, BA. Oh no! <laughs> oh look at this, Matt. Here we go. Oh my goodness! Right. Okay, that's quite a number. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. so BA for the same flights. Um, this is including a, a whole baggage because obviously you have to put the whole baggage on as an extra cost. Uh, but for for three hundred and seventy odd quid that I paid with Ryanair, BA want eight hundred and twenty nine pounds for the same flight. But that includes soft drinks, doesn't it? Uh, no, uh, I, I I don't think that does. Um, <laughs> I think you get a lot for that, actually. That's economy plus, so you do get uh, a 23-kilo oh, right. uh, okay. hold luggage bag. But uh, 829 quid, yeah, I'm, I think I'm probably stay with Glad I booked yeah. the Ryanair. We, we, <laughs> right, okay. As much as it yeah, pained me to say that, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dear, um, dear Ryan. But uh, anyway, yeah. moving on to yeah. the next story. Um, yes. Who's next? Oh, that would be Micah Micah, next, yeah. Micah, this is a spirit story for you. Oh, I've got a lot of spirit. Um, <laughs> this is from the airline geeks, and the hidden bag fees bring spirit to court. Now, first of all, for those who aren't familiar with spirit, uh, spirit is an ultra-low-cost carrier here in the U.S., and uh, I think this is actually great news. The Manhattan-based Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled on Wednesday that spirit airlines could face a lawsuit from passengers 
who book flights through third-party travel sites Expedia, Priceline, Travelocity, and Cheapo Air. Those are all airline aggregators. According to the decision, the 22 passengers who had previously been party to the lawsuit can sue the carrier for breach of contract because the airline and sites did not properly display information regarding carry-on bags. The court said that the customers in this case are able to sue because the airline did not notify them of those restrictions and was unclear on the prices that they would pay. Uh, this is a great victory for air travelers nationwide, the plaintiff's lawyer, John Hermina, said, told NBC Interview, and I tend to agree with him. While Spirit's legal team has been largely silent on the matter, I can't imagine why, the carrier did say that all the necessary terms and conditions are drawn out in its contract of carriage, which they keep invisible, I added that, uh, which the airline <laughs> claims should preclude it from any issues brought on by the plaintiffs. The decision gives renewed life to one of the first instances in which Spirit is facing a true legal back backlash for its a la carte booking system, which allows the airline to provide low or base fares while giving passengers the opportunity to purchase everything from a seat of assignment to the option to bring an extra carry-on or checked baggage or even the option to pay online but anyway <laughs> that now widespread ultra lost carrier model is one of the is one that has seen the airline grow into a multi-billion dollar company in the past uh, over the past few decades as it works to provide an alternative to the increasingly consolidated legacy airline market in the US Largely, the Miramar, Florida-based airline capitalizes on profits from passengers who book the cheapest ticket possible, often dozens and sometimes hundreds of dollars cheaper than comparable tickets on legacy carriers, and then are later forced to purchase add-ons that can come sometimes surpass the price of the original ticket. It's a practice that many swear by, often jumping on the carrier's $50 tickets and traveling with nothing more than an under-the-seat carry-on bag for sometimes a shockingly inexpensive few days away. However, those tendencies have often caught up, caught many off guard. In 2014, after Spirit ranked first among airlines in customer complaints due to the, to the Department of Transportation, a spokesperson remarked to Reuters that that the airline believed a lot of those complaints stemmed from, quote, customers not fully understanding what we offer, unbundled fares that let them control how much they spend. Boy, that's a spin on things, isn't it? But that unbundling tends to favor those who are well-educated on Spirit's business model. While the savvy can play the game to their advantage, the infrequent traveler is often taken aback, which can lead to many spending hundreds of dollars to pay for check bags at the airport when they had thought that their cheap base fare was all that was needed to get them to the, in, to, from their origin to the destination. While that, of course, is not in any way grounds for a lawsuit, it may be the impetus for this case, one that could force the airline to be more transparent across all platforms in a quest to better educate the prospect spirit passenger. Wow. I think that's good news. Um, <laughs> well, and, and you were saying you, you, uh, that they'd lost the case, I think. You, you, yeah. Yes, at first it was ruled against uh, the, the plaintiffs, and now that they're saying, oh, you can sue, absolutely. They did not disclose the information appropriately on those sites, and uh, I think it's important. The, 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 I said, buyer beware. But I think you can't be aware if you're not given the information. And I think that's what the issue is. Those aggregator sites, Expedia, Priceline, Travelocity, Cheap Aware, and there are others, will give you a base price, but you don't know what's included and what's not. And that's what the passenger needs to know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think it forces Spirit and the other low-cost carriers to say exactly what you're getting 
for your fifty dollars, which you automatically know on Ryan and EasyJet, etc. But you don't know the ultra low cost carrier is a pretty new thing here in the U.S. I'll tell you one of the things I noticed, Matt, mm. when I travelled back or to Malta and back from Malta yesterday with Ryanair, mm. the amount of people who are now not bringing big carry-ons oh, really? on the plane yeah okay it was quite shocking actually because normally you're used to people bringing those little mini suitcases on board mm. the aircraft and stowing in the overhead bins but i have to say there was not many people doing that yesterday most people had like um laptop sized bags or ham you know the women had handbags stuff like that that carrying on the aircraft there was not as many people bringing larger um carry-on bags on the aircraft Wow. You know, I think we've talked about this before here on, on PTUK, but I really think that the charge should not be for carry-ons. Uh, the char the, rather, the charge should be for carry-ons and checked luggage should be free because then we're going to get faster boarding and faster deplaning. And the checked luggage can be moved by the professionals. So you let the checked luggage be free, uh, be, uh, be free and you charge for all carry-ons on, on all aircraft when you do that. Yeah, I, I mean, it was was it such a bad model though before though, where it sort of included having a suitcase underneath? I mean, it was just, you know, it was unless you were the person that never that. traveled, that never checked the bag. Well, there is that. <laughs> there is that, I suppose. It's just, yeah, it's just sort of just a sort of tricky. You know, I, I, I mean, I get where they've got you know they they've got to try and make money, I suppose, from from, the, from you know, these extra charges. I mean, that's how they make it low cost, isn't it? By essentially, I mean, no frills literally means no frills. It's, it's a so. marketing scheme, yeah. and, and, and I can't stand it because they say we've unbundled it. Many people yeah. don't like our airline food, so we won't serve you unless you want to pay an extra $20 for <laughs> yeah. you know, your sandwich. Yeah. And, and many people never get a, 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 a soda or, uh, or whatever, so we're not going to give you the soda or a bottle of water because so many people don't do it. But if you want it, we have it available for you. You just have to pay $20 for, you know, a half liter bottle of water and whatever it happens to be so um, you know they try to market it as being positive for the consumer but in the long run you're losing things because how many people don't get a bottle of water and don't want a meal on them yeah i mean i i quite i, I quite often uh when when i'm when i'm flying ryanair I, I actually quite like their panini they yeah. smell i must admit they smell nice they did yeah, smell the, the they did smell nice panini yesterday. they do is absolutely delicious and they've got quite good snacks and stuff like this but that's the thing it's like if you don't want it then you don't have to pay for it mm. i mean that that's the thing i suppose i had a i'll tell you what i did have and i'll, I'll and my and i'll tell you what i'm not gonna this very often you say something like this but okay right brace, brace yourselves but everyone <laughs> i will I, I have to say i genuinely have to say that i i purchased a coffee on board yesterday oh the uh, lavanza coffee and is it the one with the filter yes. thing oh it's and amazing. the coffee was yeah. actually the really really coffee. really good yeah. and i i must admit it was very very and it it, yeah. it was better than most other airlines coffees that i've tried before on uh, bigger airlines do you know what did what you pay and I, I paid for it, yes, obviously. Yeah. Four, no, no, four what million pounds. What was it? it? Yeah, four million pounds. Um, okay. Oh, God, now you got me. Um, I don't know. I've I I done it on the. No, it's, it's about. I've done it on the old uh, chip and pin thing. I can't remember. Card. It's only about. It's about sort of three euros, three or four pounds. It's not actually yeah. that expensive. I think. No, I think it's it three. Is that about the same what you, as what you'd be paying in Starbucks or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't a million miles away. Bearing in mind you were in the air and that. I mean, I have to confess, a, a mutual friend of all of ours who who uh, has has left working for that airline uh, 
brought me a very large stack of those coffees that I merrily worked my way through while I was. That, that was, I, was, I, was I, I love impressed. that coffee. It's Lavanza, mm. isn't it? But yeah. it's so well. It's different. Sorry, if you haven't come across this, basically, what it is is it's um, what I call um, bean coffee. So it's ground grounded coffee beans that have been put into the um, the 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 star of not styrofoam is it but like the plastic cup type thing yeah. uh, and what they do is you pour the hot water straight into it but into the lid it's built the a filter, filter. Mm. that you drink it through um so essentially you've got percolated coffee that's made for you fresh and there but you drink it through because you, you feel a bit weird putting all your your sugar and, and milk into the, the the you know the the sludge that's underneath the filter but i promise you it is one of the nicest coffees you'll ever have on an airline oh, genuinely. i could use one right about now it's 800 and eight, eight o'clock in the morning here <laughs> yeah <laughs> Scott, don't worry you'll be you'll be able to have one soon yeah Thanks. coffee time so, will be coming up soon. shortly yeah let's all so, go out for brunch the uh the i oh, wish we could <laughs> the uh, next uh, that story on simpleflying.com uh, and uh, is it is it me it must be it me. is you it's yes me. yeah sorry this uh, this <laughs> one is uh, SAS or Scandinavian Air Services to unveil new A350 livery on September the 19th that's not far away either is it it's not it's only a few days away so Scandinavian Airlines SAS are uh, announcing that they will unveil the new livery on its first Airbus A350-900 on the 19th of September the carrier teased the arrival of the new aircraft on Twitter giving expectant av geeks some pieces of the puzzle but not quite the whole picture SAS has invited very, media just look at that it's a very moody it picture isn't it that's so quite SAS a have invited media from all over the world uh, where was our invite <clears throat> uh, to a presentation <laughs> in Copenhagen on the 19th of September where the colour scheme of the new long-haul aircraft will be revealed. Uh, this subject has caused considerable speculation among aircraft buffs with SAS itself noting that its livery hasn't been changed since 1998. So while there has uh, been considerable speculation among aircraft buffs about the colour of the aircraft, the teaser video does seem to indicate that blue colouring will be central to the new design. Good, because I like blue. However, SAS has stated that the new design probably won't go live across its fleet until 2024. The A350 entered service with its launch operator Qatar, Qatar, Qatar Airways <laughs> back in January 2015, but since uh, has been superseded by the A350-1000. The sequel to the 900 model was also debuted in uh, well, debut by Qatar in February 2018. Since its launch over four years ago, the A350-900 has proved popular with numerous airlines. Uh, several carriers have already uh, placed orders. Uh, in place for the 900 mile, uh, Dash 900 models to add to their fleet with Lufthansa, Starlux Airlines, Virgin Atlantic and China Air China all having confirmed multiple orders for the Airbus jetliner. Other carriers linked with the A350-900 include Air France, KLM. Uh, Air France has been confirmed as having orders for 28 of the aircraft including a number of switched over from the original KLM order. Uh, Singapore Airlines uh, has been another enthusiastic customer of the Dash 900 model with the carrier already having confirmed it will be uh, begin flying the Airbus uh, aircraft into the capital of New Zealand Wellington in November and Singapore signals its intention to replace uh, the Boeing 777-200 with the Airbus A350-900 on its Singapore-Melbourne-Wellington route after extensive testing at Wellington Airport. 
However, even though this is a highly advanced aircraft, there have been safety concerns noted with the A350-900 during its short lifespan. Oh, really? A report from Rolls-Royce in August this year indicated it may be necessary for additional inspections to be carried out on Airbus A350-900s as high-stress conditions uh, can reduce the service life of its engine mounts. That should be in the studio then. That's always high-stress conditions. But uh, no, it's good news for... I'm very relaxed, how dare you? <laughs> it's uh, good news for SAS. It'll be interesting to see what the livery is going to be mm. like on the uh, on the aircraft. I, imagine yeah. it will I must admit, the little Twitter video that I played while you were reading that doesn't really give an awful lot no, of it, yeah, has to be said. Yeah. <laughs> it's just basically a, a blue square that keeps flashing over the aircraft. It's uh, Yes, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, but that's uh, what... It's, uh, four days away from uh, being released so yeah, that, yeah that's landing sort of Thursday Friday next week Thursday yeah, yeah Thursday next week so keep your yeah. eyes on uh, well Twitter I suppose SAS will yeah, probably I guess that's where they'll release be uh, releasing that so mm. um, yeah so next uh, story yes. Matt is uh, I, I love this story this is um, this is pretty funky is this the Forbes? One? Yes, yeah absolutely yeah, all okay. about uh, some 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 th- one thing I do like to do myself Collect uh, souvenirs Collect from aircraft. Craft. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I, I, I'm speaking as your wife in this particular scenario, collecting crap. Yeah, Carlos bought some sweets with him back from the airport, by the way, that are basically Haribo air shapes. So he's having a lovely time munching his way through all of those. Anyway, Forbes uh, is the website and the headline is the coolest airline souvenirs and how to get them. Part of flying first or business class is the bragging rights you get just sitting up front and enjoying meals created by celebrity chefs, beauty products from famous fashion brands and snuggling up on a live flatbed under designer sheets, of course. But airlines know that souvenirs can be a big part of the travel experience and not to mention handy tools for endeavour in... For in in, in what? Spit out, mate. Come on. In, in, oh, engendering. I've never heard that word before. Engendering brand loyalty. Uh, that's why several international airlines offer their premium passengers and elite unique items to remember their flight by. Here are some of the coolest, cutest pieces of airline swag and how <laughs> you can score them uh, on your next flight. So KLM Delft Houses. That's pretty cool. Right, we need to sort of pop this picture Delft, up actually. Delft uh, have you, actually, you take this story, yeah, Carlos, because okay. then I can pop those pictures up. Yeah, so Calum have got yeah. these Delft houses. For those of you who might know Delft, I mean, I think mm. my mum used to collect Delft. Um, Delft oh, wear. a bit, bit, they, yeah, a bit like, um, oh, what's the word, like um, Claris Cliff and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, like yeah, very, yeah, yeah. yeah. Quite uh, sort of fancy pottery mm, type Fancy sort of pottery, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it, yeah. So the airline started um, actually doing these, uh, producing these, uh, back in the 1980s, but they're obviously doing these ones again uh, mm. for a hundredth edition. Uh, used to fill them with alcohol, apparently, according to this as well, oh, which is quite interesting. Right. <laughs> um, Virgin Atlantic. Uh, for those of you who have flown Virgin Atlantic, a lot of people I know have got these stashed away in their bedrooms and kitchens. It's the Virgin Atlantic salt and pepper shakers. Um, these are really funky. These have are you like got some? No, I haven't, but I do know. Um, I think uh, our, our the uh, our Matt Caton has got some of these. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, fantastic! The, um, we know quite a few people that have them, actually. Oh, mm. wow! Okay, they're uh, really cool. Look, I like those. Which look really. I must admit, they do look cool. Yeah, they're quite random, though. Um, <laughs> we've also got uh, American Airlines Concierge key tags, uh, which are made out of. Uh, I'm guessing this is uh, aircraft grade uh, aluminum. Well, I beg your pardon. Sorry, aluminium. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Yeah, I'd just like to remind you, it's the Plain Talking UK okay. podcast. So this, these aluminium key, uh, <laughs> concierge better, key uh, fobs, uh, concierge key Oh, the key MD-80 look, oh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, it was quite yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, which, are, which have been cut out of an MD-80. Um, sorry, Captain Jeff, for that. But uh, yeah, these uh, these are cut out of the uh, fuselage. Not while it was flying. Uh, well, yes. Let's hope not. Uh, Lufthansa. Yeah, now this um, one's a bit. This one's a bit. This one's quite. I like this one. Oh, Lufthansa uh, uh, were giving or giving away in first class uh, rubber ducks. Yeah, I did. You did hear right there, rubber ducks. I think As the tie in, is particularly stylish. I think the tie yeah. looks very fetching. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I think it's kind of ducking crazy. So this was back in 2004 when it was preparing to, preparing to open its Uberlux first-class terminal at Frankfurt, complete with bar, uh, uh, complete with spa-style bathrooms. The uh, dis- airline decided to take place. Uh, Lufthansa branded rubber ducks on the side of every tub. That was quite I mean, it's good. It's unusual hmm. as, a, as, a, as a gift. <laughs> I'll give them that. I like the next one personally. Uh, the next one is Finnair uh, yeah. Platinum Lumo Tu or Tumi tag Tumi bags. For those of you who can afford expensive luggage, uh, there's uh, their elite flying status. business or first class. I they know. can afford a Finnair fancy case. recently introduced platinum Lumo level uh, is the latter. In order to achieve it, you must earn four hundred and fifty thousand tier points oh in a year. Uh, wow. Three hundred and fifty thousand of which, which must be earned on Finnair flights. Alternatively, you could uh, travel on a hundred and fifty-one world fl- airline flights. Wow. At least a hundred of which must be on thin air. Um, Nev knows all thin about ice. thin air. I don't know about. F- <laughs> uh, we've also got Korean Air luggage tags. Um, these are quite cool. These uh, flying Korean Air first class sometime soon. If so, be sure you budget uh, time to stop by KL oh, by the airline's KAL or Cal first class lounge at Seoul Incheon Airport. Not only can you purchase. Or peruse the buffet. You can catch up on work and hang out in a relaxation pod. But you can also take advantage of a special service the airline offers its first-class guests. You can request a personalised gold-hued metal luggage tag with an Airbus A380 emblazoned on the side, uh, along with your name and Korean Air Pass Sky Pass number. Uh, not only are they stylish, but they let everyone in the airport know that you are fu- uh, flying first class oh, as yes. you wheel your bag past. And it is all about the bragging rights, let's be oh, honest. So dear, if you're going to no. do it, you want to shout about it, don't no, you? For really? me, I yeah. have to say, for me, one of the uh, things that I do harbour quite a lot of at home um, it are the um, have you got amenity a Luf- kits. Have you, oh, I, was gonna say, I thought you have actually got a Lufthansa no. rubber ducky. Is that what you were so excited no, I've about? No, I've got <laughs> BA first kit, a, a Virgin upper class amenity kit. Uh, Who did Air you Canada, steal that from? Air Canada, really? Uh, uh, premium economy, uh, premium kit. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I do like uh, the mm. airline kind of. Have you have you stuff. ever flown first or business, Micah? Uh, I have not flown uh, first internationally. I used to fly first all the time back when it was just big wide seats, uh, and I would fly that domestically, but not not anything international. Oh. Yeah, I've done business once. And and I, I decided that actually, if this was how I was going to fly in future, then maybe I'd be all right about it. But uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. At reality, 15 grand a time. Yeah, is, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, real, yeah. I mean, actually, it wasn't too bad because the only reason I ended up with it was um, um, it was uh, a very cheap for like the return. To, I think, I think, mm. I mean, it did cost money, don't get me wrong, but I think it was only like three or four hundred pound more to come back in business class. Um, oh, Auntie Liz says she has the salt and pepper oh. uh, shakers. 
This Very is pretty cool. cool. Oh, for which airline? And uh, that's for uh, uh, Virgin. And also okay. Masha. Masha says, yeah, there's gin in the little Delft houses. There's oh. gin inside. Oh, gin. Now we're talking. Yeah. Oh, shush. Be quiet. Yes. Anyway, Micah, I wonder if I could trouble you to take the next story. It's on simpleflying.com. When will each airline retire its Airbus A380? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's the headline yeah. the A380 was once seen as the future of the aviation industry but not for long Oh, but rising fuel prices and a passenger preference of frequency over capacity has seen the airlines quick to start retirement plans which airline will retire the A380 first well let's explore Emirates well, we begin the, uh, with the airline that has the most A380s in its fleet, with 112 A380 aircraft delivered from an original order of 123, with options up to 162. The news that Emirates might retire, retire their A380s would be news indeed. So far, all we know is that Emirates, plan, Emirates plans to use their A380s until they break down, <laughs> retiring them as their lease ends or as they are fully paid off and retire for a major overhaul. Um, wow. Then Air France... Uh, the flag, French flag carrier has a fleet of 10 Airbus A380s based at Paris's uh, Charles de Gaulle. However, the role of the aircraft in its fleet has already been put on notice in August of 2019 when the airline made, airline made plans to retire the type by 2022. It's not that far away, is it? It's no, years, it's coming yeah. right up. A&A actually fields one of the youngest A380 fleets, only entering into service this year, uh, with two out of three delivered so far. A&A has some operating from Tokyo to Honolulu, with perhaps one of the nicest fit-outs in the world. The aircraft is brand new for A&A, and it's unlikely they plan to retire them anytime soon. The thing I love, I, I, the thing I love about the ANA, and I know we say this every single time we do, but the paint jobs that they do on the ANAs, I just... Oh. Oh, yeah. absolutely love them. They're brilliant, aren't they? Uh, Asiana Airlines operates a fleet of six A380s. The airline has been struggling financially, and it likely doesn't help that they use the gas-guzzling A380. So far, the airline has actually decided to keep the type in their fleet despite efforts, efforts to reduce cost and streamline operations. A British Airways, IAG's British Airways, operates a fleet of 12. They so far have made no retirement plans and actually plan to use them to phase out the old Boeing 747. Isn't that a shame? Mm. With the new Boeing 777Xs and A350s on the way, British Airways could be in a good place to replace some of its older A380s. China Southern has a fleet of five A380s. Surprisingly, this is the only airline in the world that uses the A380 domestically wow. on the Beijing-Hong Kong run and also from Beijing to Guangzhou. Uh, although these have not been uh, very profitable, the airline also uses them from Los Angeles and to Los Angeles and Sydney. They have no plans to retire the uh, type. Etihad it has not exactly followed suit with its Southern Emirates rival. Uh, they actually have... 10 A380s in the fleet on board. Some passengers might experience, and this is something I've always wanted to fly. Oh, yeah. The residence. The residence. The yeah, residence yeah. Two room cabin <clears throat> that has its own bathroom and lounge area for extreme onboard privacy. The airline has made no plans to retire the type, although we could expect this to change as the aircraft heads toward their 10th year in operation. Korean Air has 10 A380s. Originally, there was a rumor that the airline was planning to start retiring the type in 2018, but that's come and gone, and no aircraft has left Korean Airlines. Lufthansa has a fleet of 14 A380s, but has already made plans to sell off six. 
And according to World Airline News, the 20 Boeing 787-9 Dreamliners and 20 additional Airbus A350-900s uh, will primarily be replacing the four-engine aircraft. The new planes will be delivered uh, between late 2022 and 2027. Malaysia Airlines has a fleet of six A380s. They actually get, they tried to get rid of the aircraft back in 2015 due to a financial crisis, but actually ended up keeping them for the time being. They don't have any plans to remove them. Qantas, mm. 12 A380s. They had an order in this year for another eight, which along with Emirates was canceled uh, when Airbus folded the new production type. Uh, they plan to retire the A380s by 2030. Qatar, or Qatar, <laughs> the last of the Middle Eastern trio. Qatar has a fleet of 10 A380s. They have only hinted that they will retire the aircraft when they reach 10 years old. That will be in 2024. Singapore Airlines originally had a fleet of 12 A380s, but has already started to retire the aircraft with the first taken out of service in 2017. Oh, wow. And they plan on replacing the A380s with A350s. Thai Airways International uh, has a few... Uh, has a fleet of six, uh, and they are delaying the retirement of their 747 fleet, and it's unlikely they plan to retire the A380s anytime soon. And also, there's an A380 that's flying in the sky today uh, that uh, was belonged to High Fly, and that aircraft is actually one of the retired Singapore A380s. I, and I, I think they're about to take on. Was it last week or the week before we were reading? They're actually about to get a second day. Yeah, they're going to get well, another one. They, 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 they seem to. Re but I suppose it's because their uh, their model is different, isn't it? I suppose because it's all about um, hiring out. You know, their it's a wet lease, wet isn't lease it? So it's ready yeah. to go, sort of. You know, so I suppose mm -hmm. at A380, if if you're having to wet lease something. You you don't really care what size the aircraft is as long as you can can you can sort of complete the contract i guess but yeah, you I get mean, an airline like norwegians that's having trouble and they say hey you want the airplane this is what you pay yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> you don't want much. any trouble <laughs> no 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 just 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 open your checkbook and pass it on so i mean do you do you think though mike genuinely do you think um that people will have the same love for the a380 when they start retiring as people do the 747 do you think there's that absolutely same? not no, I really don't think so. Really, I, I, I think that you know, I, I, I think it's a. Uh, I was only inside one once. It was empty. It was the one that was being retired by Airbus that we saw in Farnborough, uh, I guess three years ago now. And got, Brian and I had a tour of it, and it's huge and it's wonderful. But it's a, it's a bus, you know. It, it, right. It's basically a coach. Uh, granted, they have some of them fit out just beautifully, but if you're not. You know, if you're in, 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 in first class or business class, you're going to have a good experience pretty much regardless of the aircraft. And the A380, not that, uh, it's not a beautiful airplane to look at. It's not as beautiful as the A340 or the A350. Mm. It's got that high forehead, but, 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 but so do I. <laughs> Well, we'll stick with the last. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to the last story, and we're sticking with Airbus uh, uh, for that. And uh, the, the the headline on uh, the Business Insider website uh, is that Airbus is introducing a feature on its new planes to track everything you do, including how often you go to the bathroom, which is a bit personal. Um, so it's uh, Airbus aircraft are about to get a whole lot smarter. The aviation company announced on Wednesday that it has begun 
in-flight trials with its newest cabin technology, which connects passengers and crew to elements of the plane, including the seats, cargo, and even the lavatories. Uh, Airbus first unveiled plans for its connected experience at the Airline Passenger Experience Association Expo last year. The Internet of Things, the IoT platform, links real-time information from cabin components, including the meal trolleys and overhead bins, to crews and passengers aboard the flight in order to create a more personalised and digitally traceable experience. Uh, according to a company press release, the data consolidated from the platform will be uploaded to the Skywise Cloud Service, an open data platform developed by Airbus for the aviation industry. According to Airbus, the platform provides significant benefits for flight crews, which will allow them to allow information like meal and seat preferences in one place and can facilitate remote communication with those on board. For passengers, the system allows for a more personalised travel experience, while airlines will be able to utilise aggregated cabin equipment to uh, cabin equipment trends, say for example, which lavatory, lavatory is most frequently used during a flight to perform predictive maintenance on cabin elements. Uh, overhead bins, the company said, would be linked to sensors which indicate to passengers which spaces are free. The uh, company has begun trialling the smart system and connected cabin components to its A350-900 flight lab aircraft based at its Hamburg facility, claiming it is the first aircraft manufacturer to carry out such testing. Uh, these include an iSeat by Recaro, which uh, comes outfitted with sensors in the armrest, backrest and tray table and a connected gas gallery area and a remote wireless cabin management system. According to Apex, the company is also testing smart cameras outside the lavatories to measure passenger wait times. Uh, Ingro Wutetzer, who is the uh, Airbus's Vice President of Cabin Marketing, said Tuesday at the Aviation Trade Show in Los Angeles that the technology would help flight attendants measure some uh, when someone inside the lavatory may need assistance. Uh, according to Bloomberg, each seat will signal green when the seatbelt is fastened and red when unbuckled. The goal of the system, it says, is to make boarding and in-flight security checks more efficient. The company hopes to roll out the technology not only on its test aircraft but also onto its fleet of A321 planes in 2021 and its larger A350 series in 2023. It's not a concept, it's not a dream, it's reality is how they ended the article uh, I mean I can see why this would be beneficial to cabin crew for example because they can tell from a panel if somebody has put the seat belt on I suppose the mm. only downside to that is they could be sat on the seat and have the seat belt done up behind them and it would still show them a green light so I, I suppose there are you are still going to have to have cabin crew just sort of have a cursory glance at your belt as they walk down the, the, the thing not necessarily I mean if a seat they it could be kind of set up so that once the seatbelt's uh, connected and it's taught, you know. That, that, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, but I have other issues with this in terms of privacy and, mm. and, and, and how it fits into the uh, European right to be forgotten. Because technically, um, and I, I know that I, I'm a nut and I, I'm an old guy, but you, <laughs> you're, you're measuring how much what my intake is. Then you're seeing when I go to the bathroom. Are you measuring yeah. what my output is? Is that <laughs> going to be sold to my insurance agency, to, to my medical yeah. insurance, or to my doctor? How? What is that information going to be used for? Where does it go after they're done with it? And, 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 and you don't know where it's going to go, how it's going to be used, how long it's going to be stored, what the privacy is with it. And that's data that they just don't need. You Sometimes data is collected for the sake of collecting data. Yes. And that's where I get concerned. 
No, and, and that, that, is, that is a valid point. I completely understand why you would say that. I don't know. I mean, I, perhaps the, the IT guy in me would argue that actually uh, it, knowing, um, you know, knowing which toilet is getting the most use and therefore building the <laughs> opportunity to get preventative maintenance or knowing that it will, you know, actually when we land, we can't leave this one. It will need emptying before we leave. Uh, you know, it's just uh, I, I, I can see why data like that would be useful. It, it, you know, anything that helps to make life easier for the, for the captains and, and, and the first officers and the cabin crew has got to have some kind of sort of tactical advantage I suppose I, I guess it comes to the point of we seem to be doing things pretty well right now why you know it's kind of like uh, changing an operating system because it's time to change it not because it's getting any better change for change sake is ch change to improve is one thing change for change sake is another I don't know uh, like moving from Windows but, 7 to Windows 10, there was which no I hope point. to do one day. Yeah, there was no point. Don't bother, frankly. <laughs> anyway, going to have to in January. No. But can I just point out that Armando, God bless him, is in the chat room oh, at five in the morning his ugh. time. Ugh, ugh, silly boy, <laughs> silly boy. So, uh, Micah, remember you were saying earlier that how you'd love to travel in the residence with uh, with Etihad. In that oh, yes. suite and have your own personal lounge and dining area and all the rest of it. So, I, well, I was trying to find, find flights from the US to bring you back here to uh, PTUK Studios, but uh, couldn't find them, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, I managed to find you a flight to go from here in the UK to Abu Dhabi uh, in the residence return. Uh, how much do you reckon, Micah, from, from the uh, UK to Abu Dhabi? Oh, that's got to be... Uh, in the residence... Uh, in the res that's got to be 25,000 quid at the very, Ooh. very least. Actually, it's a bargain. Bargain price here. Right. Uh, must be an off-peak ticket, this, I think. <laughs> but uh, in the res so this is 13 grand. Oh, oh okay. I mean, there's still a, a eye-watering number of money. That's not bad. You know, I mean, it's the price of a that decent car. 13, <laughs> that was 12,916 pounds will get you a... Uh, return flight from London to Heathrow to Abu Dhabi, and that's um, and, and how much for my carry-on? Well, you do, funnily <laughs> enough, you get you get allowance with that price. Oh, well, that's um, a shock! Yeah, yeah, you're allowed to take a mobile phone with you. That's about it. Yeah, um, no, I think that's not too bad, man. I think we should um, ask Ned if he. No, wants that's to. actually very good because I, I, if I recall correctly, uh, last I checked, a just a, a real first class ticket on on BA from uh, Boston to London was in the neighborhood of ten. So uh, Neil Neil Lamorne's got a fantastic point in the chat room. What's the chat room here in the fact that uh, nobody needs to know ne nobody needs data on Captain Al's output. Oh dear. <laughs> I, I think that's uh, marvellous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> just, just like more information than anybody needs in their life. Yeah, I Captain guess. Al has a certain air about him. He, well, he does. Yeah. That, he does. Very true. So that is where we bring the uh, commercial news stories to a close this week. Uh, but uh, coming up soon, well, coming up next, we've got Alfie, who's joined us here in the studio. Well, I, mean, I don't know why quite why he's, he doesn't normally come in here. I don't know quite what's going on here. No. He was frustrated. He could hear the uh, hear the enjoyment. Hello, Alfie. Oh, yeah, what a good boy. Yes, I know, darling. Yes, I know. I know. I know. Sorry. Anyway, slight interlude. Carry on, Carlos. <laughs> Carrying, moving, <laughs> swiftly moving on. Uh, so coming up next, we have got uh, our next instalment from the Biggin Hill Festival of Flight. And uh, in this week's uh, interview, we uh, 
can uh, well we'll see Matt having a chat with Nick from Aerobility and uh, just to give you the heads up these guys like I said before at the beginning of the show these guys give the chance to less able people to uh, have the ability to learn to fly and to fly aircraft and they also have their own uh, aerobatic team as well who put on the display at Biggin Hill and uh, we're going to hand you over to Matt right now. So I'm here with Nick. This is the Airability British Flying Charity. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, myself, I'm a retired commercial pilot. And at the end of my flying career, I renewed my instructor's rating and uh, came along to Airability and began instructing there on a volunteer basis. So, I've, I mean, I've been reading some of the literature here this morning. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. Tell us a little bit about uh, what uh, Airability does. Airability itself, uh, it's a flying charity, so we'll take... Uh, any kind of disability um, and we'll get that person into an aeroplane give them a flying experience uh, and it might be just a one-off uh, trip uh, it might well be going for a license I mean we've we put through probably at least I'd say five PPLs a year oh wow so it's more than just a like a like a getting them in the air type thing it's the there's, there's an end goal to it if, if oh, that's what they want there can be yes yeah, whatever want, people want to make of it and of course a lot of our clients are um, uh, uh, military people that have been injured and lost course, limbs yeah. and that sort of thing. Uh, we've got uh, five aircraft altogether, uh, four of whom have been adapted uh, with hand controls so that wheelchair users are able to fly them and even get licenses. Oh, wow. um, you know, by just flying uh, with hands. Okay, so I mean, I mean, obviously that's obviously an expensive uh, thing to do to have the adapt. So, what sort of planes have you got? What what is the, the fleet? Yes, we have three Piper Warriors, uh, all of which are, ha are uh, adapted. Uh, we've got a, a two-seat aircraft, a, a Technam aeroplane, Italian-built, and that's actually the first aircraft ever uh, that's been um, factory-built for disabled people with hand controls built into the aeroplane. Wow. And then the, we've got a six-seat aeroplane, which isn't adapted, um, but we use that for giving experience flights and for touring. I mean, we do a lot of touring with uh, uh, our disabled pilots all around the Europe and that sort of thing. And the Cherokee 6 is really handy for you know, piling in wheelchairs and uh, hoisting equipment that we need to take with us. So, so you're here with a, a, another company that, that are helping you with this, this stand, you were saying? Yes, we're also with, uh, alongside, we're sharing the stand with the Bardas Bus Company. Okay. And their main claim to fame for this year, of course, is that they are the first uh, disabled display team uh, that has ever been in the UK. So all of the pilots in the Bardas Bus Company display team are disabled pilots. Wow. So, so your background, obviously, you're a keen aviator. I mean, w oh, sure. what sort of led you to this point here? So you're saying you're a private pilot? I started a private pilot. I used to work for British Airways for many years, but um, I've spent most of my flying career flying business jets. So VIPs, pop stars right. and film stars, that sort of thing. Um, and coming to the end of that, um, it was actually one of the cabin crew that I used to fly with um, was working already with Airability on a volunteer basis. And she said to me, oh, just pop in and say hello. Come in and have a cup of tea. That's that, how all these things was, start. That was it? six years ago, and yeah. I'm still here. So, Fantastic. and loving it. It's, well, you, as I say, you're clearly loving it. I mean, you can see through the enthusiasm and everything. It just well, the idea. Fun. I mean, that a lot of people, even able-bodied people, many people think I couldn't possibly fly an aeroplane, but take somebody who's disabled, yeah. and that's multiplied. Yeah, more. You can't help but feel more challenged by that. Absolutely. That. But my experience as an instructor, when I get somebody who's severely disabled get them airborne then say right you have control and they are actually flying the airplane wow. that sense of joy that they get from that I get to you know experience that time and time again I bet well I mean it sounds like a very rewarding program but so tell us a little bit about how people uh, get in touch if they want to get involved and right. how they could perhaps donate yeah sure we're based at Blackbush Airport 
um, and we're very, very welcome and opening. Anybody that's driving by is welcome to come in and have a cup of tea. Um, but uh, we've got a website. Yeah, although be careful with that, because otherwise you could be there for six years. If I that's know, right. yeah. I, <laughs> but that's all right. But, you yeah. know, that's everybody, even the cleaning lady that's, that cleans the office in the evening, she Lovely. said, I'd leave this place till last. She said, it's the happiest place that, I, uh, that I work at. Yeah. So uh, it, yeah. it's that sort of atmosphere we have. Uh, we get quite a lot of big sponsorship from uh, we sponsorship from Boeing, uh, from the National Air Traffic Service, um, British Airways even. Oh, so um, you know we get sponsorship from uh, a wide range, um, and people we've got buckets here. So yeah. people that come by at the show today, they're very welcome to buy our merchandise and uh, and donate. Fantastic. Um, so uh, there's a website I assume. There is a website, airability.com. Just have a look at it. It's got the telephone contacts there, and the. The main message is it doesn't matter how severe is the disability, yeah. we can accommodate you. Can get it. you in the air somehow. Yeah. yeah. The only it. time I've ever had to turn somebody away where there were possibly unpredictable behavioural okay. problems. Yep. But, yeah. um, you know, I've had three blind, to people, three students totally blind to come along for an aviation experience. Wow. So, you know, there is no limit. It really is open to all. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, Nick. It sounds like a fascinating project. Right. And we all wish you the best of luck with it. Thanks very much. Right, my pleasure. And I must say, their, their display that they did later on in that afternoon was <laughs> just mind-numbingly incredible, uh, given the achievements you know, involved. I, I just think, you know, we, we, all, we all kind of have the kind of the whole flying and aviation thing. We, we all kind of take it, take it you know, for granted mm. really you know the ability to go and jump into a Cessna or jump into now and just go pot around and fly around and stuff like that but there are people who who do you know who ha haven't got quite the ability to, to just jump into an aircraft and do that and these mm. guys are given anyone a chance like anyone a chance to go and, and have a fly in it or flight in an aircraft and as uh, Matt said they they had a great display mm. and um, it's just a fantastic group of people really to give ever these people a chance yeah. to uh, to fly Lovely. As you say, it's like you know, people, you know, military uh, people with military background. Obviously, you know, mm. they they've developed some amazing skills. It's nice to be able to give them the opportunity to sort of you know to to get their hands, if you like, on an adapted aircraft so they can carry on with their passion. It's brilliant. I it's love brilliant. it. Love it. Yeah, love it. So coming up next, then uh, we've got some military news. Uh, obviously, Armando's not here, but we're nope. keeping up uh, appearances, as we say here in the UK. Indeed with uh, some military news. So if everyone's ready... Your main man's up for it. Okay, let's go. Good, excellent. I, I, there we are. I did it. <laughs> we'll, we'll fix that in post, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Micah, if you want to take the first story on uh, the Royal Air Force website. And it's got to be true. Leonardo to support RAF with future counter drone technology program. The ministry is the 11th of September. Good day for counter drone, counter, the counter counter terrorists. The Ministry <laughs> of Defense has selected Leonardo to support a multi million pound research and development program to better understand counter drone technology. Building on previous R&D undertaken with the company in this area, Leonardo will support the RAF to explore technical mitigations to the current threats posed by hostile drones 
drones through the evaluation of mature and evolving sensor and effector technology. Starting in early 2020 and supporting 20 jobs across the company, the primary integration work will be mainly undertaken by Leonardo at its Basildon. Is that correct? Did I pronounce that correctly? Basildon's Bas good, yes. We like that, yes. Basildon, Essex, and Southampton sites with real-time testing undertaken at several mod locations within the UK. The three-year program is going to examine and inform how the RAF can detect, track, identify, and defeat rogue drones. It will also support the RAF in responding to current and evolving threats and ensure it keeps pace with the technology over time. The primary aim of the R&D program will be to help understand and inform requirements of a potential future core RAF counter-drone capability. And I think that pretty much covers it. Which we could do within the UK here, because we had uh, an incident, didn't we, this week, Matt, with uh, with um, people trying to fly drones again at uh, Heathrow. Did we? Was it? Yeah. Well, I, I was, I yes, that. I was going to ask about that. They, um, they, I heard they were able to defeat them. Yes, yeah, we, we defeated well, them with, with counter-drone technology here wow, in the UK. I did, well, yeah. I didn't know that. In other words, you blocked the signals, so uh, I like they couldn't it. fly them. I like it. But uh, it's amazing, you know, when you look at uh, over the last few years how big the industry has got now with uh, people buying UAVs and stuff to fly. I've got one. I've got You've one. got one, yeah. yeah. I love mine. And, uh, you know, all the hype around it and everyone's buying one yeah. and everyone's got one and we're all using them, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And now, now we're trying to uh, design stuff to... To, to stop them, stop it. <laughs> yeah, but it's the same. It's the same old story, isn't it? Yeah. It's the minority spoiling it for the majority, again, mm. isn't it? Where you know people. Have, you, have you got one, Micah? I'm going to say it's not just that, but this is the use of drones in terms of military use mm, and being yeah. able to stop the military use of drones. There was yeah. just, uh, as I, if I recall correctly, I just heard it on the news. I was kind of sound asleep, but mm. uh, Iran just destroyed a Saudi oil refinery using drones. Yeah, uh, just was from the past uh, few hours. So uh, this is the kind of thing that we would need to develop in order to protect, you know, pr protect ourselves from uh, terrorist states. Yeah, I, I, a small part of me feels a little bit uncomfortable about drones being used in warfare. I completely understand why, obviously, because, you know, the sheer fact of the ma matter is there's no personnel directly involved. You know, everybody involved is, at you know, sort of three, four, five hundred miles away. Mm. But I, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. It's also, it also it's not going to take much to have missed something, if you like, and then suddenly, uh, you know, something very precious to you has just been exploded. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm. I love drones, but and and I love I love the idea of what they can do. But there's large elements of of the technology that make me very nervous. Well, but what's the difference between a uh, a drone coming down uh, or, or dropping a bomb on you and from uh, you know thirty thousand feet that that you haven't seen and all of a sudden the bomb's there or a manned bomber doing that. What's True. the difference in terms of no, you know no, you being on the ground and yeah. being destroyed? Yeah, it the, 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 it's the same decision-making process, I suppose, involved in in making that tactical decision to do that. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No fair point. So next uh, story, Matt, on um, defensenews.com for you. And, yes. Uh, worrying if you're the owner of a KC-46. Uh, right, okay. I mean, good news there, I'm not. Okay. Um, so I'm sure I'll, I'll soldier on. But, uh, yeah, so it's Defence News like is the that. website. Soldier on. Very good. <laughs> See what I did there. Uh, the US Air Force restricts the KC-46 from carrying cargo 
and passengers. So in a move that could have major impacts on the already delayed tanker program, the US Air Force has indefinitely barred the KC-46 from carrying cargo and passengers, uh, Defence News has learned. The decision was made after an incident occurred where the cargo locks the bottom of the floor of the aircraft, uh, sorry, the locks on the bottom of the floor of the aircraft became unlocked during a recent flight, creating concerns that airmen could potentially be hurt or even killed by heavy equipment that suddenly bursts free from a flight. As a result of this discovery, the Air Force has submitted a Category 1 deficiency report and is working with Boeing to identify a solution. The Air Force Mobility Command spokesman Colonel Damien Picard has said in a statement, the service uses the term Category 1 to describe serious technical issues that could endanger the aircrew or aircraft or have other major effects. Until we find a variable, uh, sorry, until we find a viable solution with Boeing to remedy this problem, we can't jeopardise the safety of our aircrew and this aircraft, he said. The problem was discovered during a recent overseas operational test and evaluation flight where KC-46 aircrew noticed that numerous cargo restraint devices had be had come unlocked over the course of multiple leg of trips. Uh, prior to departing for each of these missions, aircrew fully installed locks and thoroughly inspected each restraint and performed routine inspections on the restraints in flight. Picard said that despite these safety measures, the unlocking of cargo door restraints occurred during flight, although no cargo or equipment moved and there was no specific risk to aircraft or crew. A source with knowledge of the issue told Defence News that if all restraints on a particular pallet had become unlocked, it would be able to roll freely throughout the cabin. If all cargo became unlatched, it could pose a, a real safety risk to aircrew or even unbalance the aircraft, making the plane difficult, if not impossible, to control. While this problem has only been observed on one KC-46, the Air Force does not have enough information to rule, out it, rule it out on other aircraft having similar defects. Uh, the problem also poses a danger to the tanker's operational schedule. Uh, the uh, Picard said the program said that uh, to start initial operational test and evaluation this fall with pre-IOT and E activities already initiated. This is a multi-mission aircraft. It is for carrying cargo and passengers. It's for refueling and also for aeromedical evacuation missions. He said if you can't carry cargo pallets and patient liners, litters, sorry, a significant amount of your core missions cannot be properly tested. In a statement, the KC-46 manufacturer Boeing acknowledged that they had been notified of the new issue. The company and the Air Force are cooperatively analysing the um, locks to determine um, a root cause. Sorry, the dog's being a complete nana. Uh, the safety of the KC-46 uh, aircraft and crew is our top priority. Once a cause has been identified, the tanker team will implement any required actions as quickly as possible. But the problem could be bad news for Boeing's bottom line. The company is locked into a fixed price contract for where it is responsible for paying for any expenses beyond the initial $4.9 million award for development of the aircraft. So far, the company has paid more than $3.5 billion of its own money to fund corrections to ongoing technical issues. Now, all I'm going to say on this, obviously, the the, uh, the KC-46 is based on the 767, as mm. most people know. All I'm going to say on this subject is that um, never had this problem with the uh, L-1011s when the Royal Air Force were using them as oh, transports. <laughs> well, let's talk about this for a little bit because there's some information that people need to know. And, and Armando provided some because I asked, had a couple of questions for him. I reported on the story on WBZ the other night. But first of all, a lot of people don't realize that tankers are not like 
tanker trucks, tanker lorries that are just, you know, filled, the whole fuselage is filled up with gas. Mm. They are really transport aircraft that have the capability of refueling from their own fuel tanks, and they may have larger fuel tanks. But the inside of the tanker is primarily designed for cargo, and they, they carry cargo and people as much as they do refueling, and they're, they're used for that quite a bit. KC-46 is a Boeing aircraft, and Boeing has some problems, and they decided to use electronic cargo locks. Now, we've had cargo locks working for years in mm. aircraft, mm. but these new electronic cargo locks, which they uh, hold down pallets, the pallets could be the cargo or the pallets could be seats, are unlocking for some reason or other. And if a cargo, if the cargo were to unlock in flight, you guys remember the crash of the Boeing 747 in Afghanistan back oh, yeah, in 2000? Yeah. Where the cargo mm -hmm. shifted, yeah. Right, the cargo shifted, the center of gravity shifted, you yeah. have no control. So now, right, as of right now, the uh, KC-47, uh, 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 the, the KC-46 rather, cannot fuel, uh, fuel the aircraft because they have problems with the boom, and it can't carry cargo, and it can't carry passengers. So as of right now, until this problem is corrected, it's totally useless. Mm. This is a major Boeing issue. And uh, I dare say they will be working very quickly to put it right, because it's not like they're having a bit of a tough time already or mm. anything. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not good, is it? Anyway, on to the last story. Yeah, dside.com, this one. And a great picture here, and Matt puts it up on the screen. Was that uh, as subtle uh, as a sledgehammer An aircraft, hit, uh, <laughs> uh, aircraft we all love. Uh, this one, the uh, headline, Rare Sight in Flintshire, as two U.S. military Osprey aircraft pay a flying Ooh. visit. So local aviation fans had a rare treat this week when two United Air, uh, States Air Force Osprey V-22 aircraft flew into Flintshire airspace. Flying in close formation, the two tilt-rotor military helicopters, call signs Knife 71 and Knife 72, arrived overhead at 4pm in the afternoon. They were spotted flying low over Pennyford, Halkin, Flint and Badilt before looping over the D estuary and back over uh, Iwolo and Buckley. Uh, Carolyn, uh, one of the people who saw these, said that she spotted the pair over the mountains and uh, running in line with the A55 uh, road, then turned and headed back towards Harden. Another list, or another view, I should say, of the aircraft. David uh, told uh, the uh, the paper that uh, they flew right over Northop Hall, a great view from his orchard, he said. Uh, another uh, person who saw these, Anwin, said that uh, the noise uh, he thought was a tractor and trailer. <laughs> Right. I will say, wow. I don't th I've never associated the noise of a V-22 Osprey with the, uh, with the no. sound of a tractor and trailer. Uh, but then they flew over Flintshire over towards Wrexham before heading south. Uh, the V-22 Osprey is a multi-mission tilt-rotor military aircraft with both vertical and takeoff landing and short takeoff and landing capabilities. It's designed to combine the functionality of a conventional helicopter with the long-range high-speed cruise performance of a turboprop aircraft. The U.S. Air Force UK Osprey unit is based at RAF Mildenhall in Suffolk. Uh, despite its status as a Royal Air Force station, it primarily supports the U.S. Air Force's operations. The Osprey may be a rare sight in Flintshire, however, they do fly up to RAF Valley in Anglesey fairly regularly and spotted along the Mac Loop, uh, the set of valleys situated between Dongolau and Machlineth. 
say that after a few scotches. <laughs> so the area is regularly used for low-level flight training with uh, flying as low as 250 metres, or 250 feet, I should say, from the nearest uh, terrain. And uh, Matt was playing the video there uh, of the Osprey, which, uh, honestly, these uh, I was lucky enough to obviously get a tour of one of these uh, at the base. Mm. And, uh, yeah, f such an amazing aircraft to see up close and uh, sit on the flight deck of. I bet. And can I just tell you how jealous I am of Armando for so many different reasons, but definitely <laughs> because he has flown in this aircraft yeah. regularly, and that's an airplane I would really like to fly in. Yeah, I enjoy uh, helicopter flying with uh, an aircraft flying, and this is both. I would love to fly in a B-22. It's, uh, it's, it's an amazing bit of kit. I mean, um, many things give me a headache about it, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's just the sheer science, and, you know, it's just, again, it's a bit like... Uh, I quite often say about helicopters, isn't it? Where it's weren't, they weren't they weren't built and engineered. They were you know they appeared from Hogwarts because it's just like literally they they don't make sense. And, and, the, and this too. definitely doesn't. They <laughs> it's an amazing bit of kit. So uh, that's the last uh, military news story this week. But uh, we've got a little special little kind of uh, montage that uh, has been sent in to us from our guest host this week, yes. Micah. So, Michael, you've uh, you've sent us in some pictures and, and video of. Uh, I mean, what what, uh, what was going on here? You, you've had a flight in a in a Cessna 182 RG, I think. Yes, I did. I uh, you know I don't get to fly very often, unfortunately, and certainly not as often as I would like. And I love to fly. Well, my cousin in uh, Florida, he came up uh, this week uh, to visit me, and he happens to be a private pilot. And he said, "Let's go flying." And he's not checked out anywhere. So I got in touch with uh, Southern Maine Aviation. That's uh, you're looking at the if you look at the screen. That's my cousin Mitchell on the right, uh, and that's my aunt Jerry. He brought her up to surprise me. Hadn't seen her in six years. Aunt Jerry is. 82 years old and wow. she flew GA once before. We went down to Southern Maine Aviation in Sanford, Maine. Uh, I talked to a CFI and we arranged to uh, have the CFI fly with us so my cousin could actually fly with the CFI, although in the right seat was actually the PIC. We put me and my Aunt Jerry in a back seat wearing our Dave Clark headsets and went for a flight up the coast. We uh, headed out from Sanford and flew to the coastline, flew just to the uh, west of Walker's Point in Kennebunkport. That's where the Bush's uh, home is. Uh, there's a TFO after, after that, but we did that and then flew into the Portland Harbor Visual, which you're now and that harbor visual approach is just a gorgeous approach flew right over portland harbor flew up the that's uh walker's point there i believe uh flew up the uh the the harbor uh, over the islands uh into the portland harbor and did a quick uh touch and go uh at uh, at the portland airport then continued on headed uh headed up north over freeport flew over a friend's house that happens to be right down there on the right and uh turned around and came back that's Fort Gorgeous, uh, Gorgas over in Portland, built in uh, for the Civil War. Uh, you don't often get that view of it, and uh, it's going to be redeveloped at some point soon. And it was just a beautiful flight, and you can just see how beautiful Portland and the coastline of Maine is. We are in there for about an hour and a half. It was my first time in an RG, flown in a 172 before. That's two lights, uh, lighthouses. You can just make out the two lighthouses. I was painted within a very famous Edward Hopper painting, uh, but just so scenic and so gorgeous. And we're at about 1,500 feet the whole time. And uh, and you can see that rocky coast of Maine. That's actually it's a picture of Dana and I from down there, close up. The, from uh, so I took him down there when he was visiting up here and uh, walked along those rocks for a little bit. Just a beautiful area. 
And that's what I got to do on Wednesday and fly with my aunt, her second time ever in a GA aircraft. And her second time in Maine. She was here in Maine once before in 1959. That's our route. Wow. Love it. It sounds like a lot of fun. As I say, it's the, the weather looks amazing as well. So oh, much. Honestly, the, the, the view, the scenery um, is just amazing. My God. And if you, yeah, if you leave that slide up right now, you can see that uh, we took off from, uh, from Sanford. Uh, the yellow is us going up. We had to circle around as we had a couple of RJs come into Portland ahead of us, and which was nice flying parallel with those RJs. Did the touch and go in Portland, back up to Freeport, circled around my friend's house a couple of times and came on back down. Just a gorgeous flight. It does sound like a lot of fun. As I say, it's uh, it's so nice to do it with people that uh, you know that, that don't get to do a lot of flying as well, like, like yourself and you say and your aunts and things. It's uh, any excuse for a bit of a get together. That's what we that's what we like, isn't it? <laughs> it was it was just so nice. I haven't I haven't actually been in the air this summer. I was in the air twice. You know, I think I told you I got the chance to fly in that Stearman uh, up in mm-hmm. Rockland. With the, yeah, yeah. And Max did too, which was wonderful, open cockpit. And then this was the second time, and I just don't get in the air often enough. It's the first time I flew since uh, since I visited with you guys. Oh, in gosh. oh my goodness time. me! Now, I mean, people will have uh, not been able to escape uh, the fact that Carlos has been doing a little bit of flying as well uh, this last week. Um, now, um, now, uh, anybody who's been stuck under a stone, uh, where, where have you been? Well, I thought I'd travel back to uh, to the home, <laughs> uh, where, I, where I call home, the uh, the lovely island of Malta, and uh, on my usual Mecca return journey back there every year. And uh, this year we chose to fly again with the wonderful Ryanair. Not lovely. on one of these, though. This is a Max. Yep. Um, but we uh, had, uh, obviously, the, uh, the joy of flying with uh, Ryanair from Luton, London Luton. <laughs> and uh, I have to say that... Uh, on this occasion we probably won't be doing this again from Luton because <laughs> Luton is probably the most hideous airport uh, to fly from so Matt's put a little montage together yeah, of, uh, there we are. So it's, it's, it's Gemma, Gemma and Mum isn't Mom, it next yeah. to you absolutely. what you can't see there is me shivering in the freezing cold <laughs> last week when we boarded the aircraft warm was it? It was not. No, okay. No. <laughs> so this is security, did you no, say? The checking queue at Luton, where, where they had one desk open for the whole flight. Oh, good. Um, Always nice. Lovely view of a whiz air there. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is boarding. Boarding, yes, boarding yeah. at Luton. The queue for the aircraft there. Yeah, see, I didn't realise the stairs came out of the side of the aircraft. Yes, I didn't yeah, know that. I, I made to look like a right muppet. Oh, look, sunrise over London Luton. So I made it on board the aircraft. Uh, yeah, after a lengthy walk through the security uh, area, uh, we're finally on board. And uh, looking forward to uh, a nice three and a half flight to Malta. Actually, go. I didn't realise because like Luton is actually once once you've sort of left the terminal behind you and get in the air, the uh, the area around Luton is nice. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here you go, taking taking off here now. Mm-hmm. Actually, quite quiet, you know. What, Matt, a Boeing seven three seven. Matt's filtered out the aircraft noise. Yeah, a little um, bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I had to fiddle it a bit. There's a really weird buzz, isn't there, when it sort of first gets off the air. Oh, You've got that. the uh, the noise from the engines. It yeah, is that uh, the engines? CFM. Oh, okay. Engines, yeah. Yeah, a bit of a buzz. It's. Uh, 
Uh, it's the speed. Uh, every time I watch these these videos of, of stuff taking off, the speed as you're charging down that runway is something that always melts my mind. We had uh, about three quarter full flight on the way over. It wasn't wasn't full. I, I managed to. Uh, I was in uh, row two mm. on the way there, and I had a seat to myself in the middle. Uh, which was nice, right? Yes, okay. which is quite nice. Lovely. <laughs> and um, and where, where where were um, they were in the back? They were in the back near the right. APU. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Because he's lovely like that. Yes. Have you told her that you bought yourself special t- tickets no, and it wasn't no, actually no. <laughs> uh, automatically assigned? <laughs> right. Oh dear. Yeah. As I say, it's uh, you, you sort of forget considering where Luton is. It's actually very very sort of wooded. You know what you can't make it there. That the river that was just on there had yeah. the, a fog over, which was quite nice. And yeah. Views when we got up to cruise altitude, and this, this is, coming is into Malta, the approach yeah. into Luca Airport in Malta, and uh, this is a site that I never get tired of every year of going back because it's fantastic. And actually, Malta, the airport itself, is uh, is um, making some more improvements, even though they've spent millions over the last few years improving the airport. They're now going to um, put some more improvements to the terminal building uh, over the next few years. Because, so. I mean, Luton have spent a lot of money on theirs. I mean, where, have the, where do you think they spent their millions on the security and things? Um, okay, deathly silence. That's on the a, car park? On uh, the car park, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perhaps they've got a new tea hut out oh. back. Perhaps that's what it is. Here we go. But... Uh, it's, uh, oh, and also, uh, Luca Airport as well, don't forget, has got quite a large um, technical base where aircraft go for maintenance. Lufthansa Technic have got a big hangar here oh, Okay, um, at, on the site as well. Here we go, bit of a bit of a bumpy landing there. Oh, was it? Yeah, a bit bumpy. Oh, there you go. And there we are, that's his little visit to, uh, oh, no. to Mods. Do you enjoy it? Do you have yes. a nice holiday? Because you yeah, did something nice. you don't normally do, didn't you, in the fact that you were... Um, uh, you were actually in a hotel. We're in a hotel, do, yeah. You normally do an apartment, don't you? We but, do, uh, yeah. How was the food? Food was amazing. Hotel was brilliant. The uh, staff looked after us, gave us a nice big room. Oh, very good. And, uh, yeah, but moving on to the coming home yesterday. Oh, okay. Into London Luton. <laughs> I hope everyone's comfortable. It, so, for those, of you, for those of you who may be unfortunate enough to have travelled back into the UK through London Luton, will uh, probably notice, for one, the, the lengthy walk from the Ryanair uh, gates to... Uh, passport control <laughs> and then uh, the massive i can only say huge queue to go through the e-gates oh uh, at luton and they've also got they've got the old school gates they've yeah, got yeah. about uh, 10 of the old school you know gates that are manned by the uh, border mm. patrol and then they've got the e-gates most of which people ca- still cannot operate for the life <laughs> of them lots of people yeah. sta- stand there and sort of sma- you know hammering the passports down mm. on the readers not not reading not, the instructions not, yeah not reading yeah. the instructions but um we got through there i got through okay but probably the first year my passports actually worked properly to get mm. back into the uk um but we had nearly an hour wait for our suitcases where after we'd landed Right. I mean, was, 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 it, was it a very busy time? So were there lots yeah, of flights was, coming there in? There was or? three flights that came in the same time as, or two more flights that came in at uh, the same time as us into uh, Luton. There was a Wizz Air flight and an EasyJet flight that right. were with us. And they put all three flights on one carousel, right. which made things okay. slightly awkward. Challenging, yeah. Um, and I think they must have put our cases on last because mm. they came through, like I said, nearly an hour after we landed. I mean, presumably this, this isn't Ryanair's fault particularly. No, this will be, uh, be the ground handlers at Luton. Right. Um, and, and one of the things that did impress me very much last night was how various cases came through in pieces. 
Oh, really? Yes, there was. Oh no, there was there was one suitcase that came through on the carousel, and uh, most of the contents were on the carousel. Lovely, right? Uh, oh, that, that's uh, a that's a warm welcome, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, for, so whoever had that uh, unfortunate thing was um, probably not going to be very happy. No, indeed. But yeah, other than that, you had a lovely holiday. Other than that, a great holiday, fantastic. And I, I will say that the uh, the crew on mm. uh, on the way out and on the way back, especially, were really, really good. Oh, really, good. really nice crew. Um, mainly because the, the crew on the way home are Maltese. But uh, <laughs> but also, I will say that the, the flight deck crew on the way home yesterday were very young. Were they? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, they were quite, well, quite a young uh, captain and FO on the flight. So, um, but, uh, no, it was good. Really good serve. I, I will say, you know, Ryanair did, uh, and they, we landed on time. Wow. And they still do the, fun, the fanfare. Oh, thing. they do, yeah, yeah. It's a different fanfare now. Oh, it's a different it? fanfare. Different, oh, yeah. God. Absolutely. So, obviously, that's your holiday. As we start to wrap up, then, what else have you. What, what's on the itinerary for next week? I don't suppose you know yet because you haven't been to work. No, I've no idea what I've got next week. Mm. I've probably got a warehouse full of things that need that sorting need tidying out. up. Yes. But, uh, but no. Um, Micah, how are uh, your plans for next week? Are you going uh, flying anywhere exciting? Well, actually, uh, if things work out as planned, our good friend Captain Jeff should have a layover up here in, in Portland Ooh, uh, this oh week. Nice. I'll get to visit with him. haven't seen him in person in a couple of years. And then the following week, uh, the Collings Foundation is going to be in Lewiston, Maine. And uh, they are bringing, uh, if they, everybody, if nothing goes tech, there'll be their B-17, their B-24, their B-25, their P-51 Mustang, and brand new this year, their P-40 Warhawk Flying Tiger. Oh, wow. uh, and I'm uh, trying to get in touch with them. They told me to contact them for uh, better tours and possible flights before they get here. And I'm hoping to, uh, to go visit them. Uh, this will be a week from Thursday. Wow. That sounds good. So very exciting. I bet. Yeah, sounds like a, a very full week ahead for you. Then are you? Are you uh, oh, Matt, you forgot to mention your. Um, oh, well, my, my your, gifts. Your gifts. Yeah, like. absolutely. Yes, I, I brought them. Matt gifts home because that's how nice. Yeah, I, am. I mean, some of them have already eaten. I should just stress. That's all right. I pressed the wrong button and made the, the things go. I've What's got, yeah. that one, Matt? I don't know. Can't read it. Pr- uh, was it prickly Ooh, pear, pear jam? jam. Yum. Lovely. I'm rather partial to some jams. It has to be said. And it's uh, one of my favourite ones. Oh, Here is this? Go. Is this? Oh, it's a fig jam. Look. There we are. Ooh. Oh, I like the look of that. I should fig jam. I should be having that for my lunch in a moment. Oh. Yeah, I think that I think that'll be a nice compliment to to lunch. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing this week much really. I, I've got um I've got a trip to Yarmouth Races. Um, that would oh. be quite good fun. What? I like Yarmouth Races. It's a good race course. Yeah. No, it is. It really is. Anyway, so yeah, so I've got lots of driving and stuff. Uh, I d- just wanted to briefly mention, actually, um, uh, what I got up to yesterday. Uh, so yesterday I was running a few errands for a, for a friend of mine. Um, but uh, while I was down that way, I, I, I may have uh, jumped in my car and gone sort of down south, <laughs> uh, which was nice. And I had uh, the great pleasure of having dinner with uh, this little rabble yesterday, which was a real delight. So if you're listening to the audio uh, version of this show, uh, f- from uh, left to right on the picture, oh, you have... trouble, that's trouble. Abs- I just, yeah. <laughs> Matt, I will just say Matt has put um, three or four different filters on the picture just to uh, to obviously tone, tone down, down Captain, uh, Captain Nick's shirt. shirt. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, left to right was this Captain Nick. Next to that was the lovely Justice. Sat next to him, obviously, is the beautiful Dr. Steph, the legend that is Sir Neville of Bounds, uh, the uh, irrepressible and 
long-suffering uh, Auntie Sue <laughs> next to, to Nev, and then, of course, the lovely Jilly, oh. uh, and as I say, Nick's wife. And it was a real pleasure to uh, to go and just sort of spend just a few hours down there. I had to drive back last night, unfortunately. Um, otherwise, uh, I, well, I, I dread to think what state any of them were all in in the morning because they were, they were having a lovely time, shall we say, when I left just after nine. Uh, <laughs> it was all cake. But what a lovely evening it was. So really very, very uh, honoured to have been able to go down and uh, see. You couldn't join us, unfortunately, because obviously you were still on holiday. I was you? still, but, yeah, flying yeah, home. You were flying yes. home at the time. But, uh, yes, uh, but yeah, that, that, that's it. So, uh, so don't forget, social media links. Join the show. Join us on the show. Join us uh, each week on the show. You can follow yep. us via our website, uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com. And also you can go on our website and find links to purchase T-shirts, which yep. we have uh, as well, which you can buy and, uh, and spoil yourself with. And yep. uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter... All so the social media All the social media. Search for Plain Talking UK, all as one word. And uh, the email address for the show is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Micah, where can the listeners, if they, well, if they ha- somehow don't know already. Somehow don't know yeah. already. Where can uh, the listeners find more about uh, yourself, sir? Well, you can find me on Twitter, and that's Maine Fly, Maine like the state, M-A-I-N-E Fly, F-L-Y. I'm at Maine Fly. And if you want to reach me uh, through the Airplane Geeks, I am Micah, M-I-C-A-H, at AirplaneGeeks.com. And, of course, uh, I'm in the uh, Airplane Geeks and uh, Airline Pilot Guy Slack team, which is always a good place to go to find out more about those two wonderful podcasts, our uh, brother or sister podcast from PTUK, because we're all just one big family. One big happy family, indeed. So that is where we're going to bring episode number 286 of the show to a close. Fingers crossed we'll all be back next uh, next yeah, Friday right. for the show. <laughs> Hopefully Armando will be back and also Nev will be back as well. And we the, the family will be back together again. That's true. So, yeah, have a lovely week, everybody. Oh, yes. We'll see you all next week. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your Sunday roast. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.